Welcome to Tesla's on episode 234 and it's me, Gary P, and of course the prof, it's Carl Riley. We're back with a new pile of books, Gary. Back with a new pile of books, prof. It's the so chronological history of Shamrock Football Club, Robert Goggins' new book. And uh, fuck it, yeah, they can sponsor this show. Um, it's a cracker. It's actually extremely heavy. Like, you wouldn't want to get a belt of it. You could hurt a man with this. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. So we're having a quick browse through it there, pre-pod, and uh, it's very good prof. Available on Amazon and all good book online bookstores, and in the shop as well. I hope I think. <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, supposed to be by the end of the week, so this is out Thursday, possibly Friday, it'll be in the shops, so you can uh, you can buy it then, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll have more on that later in the show, a bit, bit of info on Robert's book. Yeah. And of course, they're sponsored by Leicester Credit and Ocean Electrical. Fantastic guys looking after us. Sponsors for life. Ocean Electrical on tour, prof over in Boston for Paddy's Day. <laughs> Although now he's dead, Miguel, because uh, apparently he's embraced Prime, the drink. He's embraced Prime. I got. I actually got the kids bottles last week. It's fucking dirt, man. It's just <laughs> diluted. Like the guys are making a fortune. Fair fucks. But yeah, we move on. So this week we have the St. Pat's Review, another draw, and the debut of In Memoriam, My Dad. Six sons pay tribute to their late rover supporting fathers. and uh, It's a cracker, Prof. It is very, very good. And yeah. the dynamic of... It, it's a, it, can, it can be a, the, a gift and a course at times, following rovers with your, with your son. Mm. Because you can argue and you can... Uh, you can have all sorts of conversations. Now I'm still in the early stages of it, but it's a, uh, it is, it's, it's, it's a brilliant one, prof. Yeah, you'll enjoy this one. Six different personalities as well. Um, will we also do an in memoriam for our season? <sighs> it's a bit early. <laughs> That's a bit early, prof. It had to be said. That's a bit. Th- everyone early. was thinking it. Yeah, but when you think about it, how many draws did we get last year? I can't remember. Seven. Seven. Just getting them out of the way. Got them out of the way. Okay. Get them out of the way. Stuck in. That's it. We win the rest. Yeah, so Robert's book. Yeah, Robert's like new book. Like we um, said, we have it here. More importantly, Gareth, have you applied for the late leg gig yet? Are you going <laughs> to replace Tubbs? Fire too many skeletons in my closet for that. <laughs> he has high paid lawyers that can keep his skeletons locked away in that closet. Now, Claire Byrne is in the lead, which Mick McCarthy won't be happy about. What do you, I don't know. I mean, what, what gets you over the line for that type of thing? Um, It'll be a woman, first of all. Oh, do you know who I like? Jennifer Zamparelli. There's only been three. I think she's very good. And the album man, album man. Yeah, I was looking at the bookies' odds, and when I saw her name, I thought, "Oh, it's a good show." There's a dark horse. But Claire, Claire Bourne doesn't. Apparently, she doesn't matter though. 
Ugh, they all say that, prof. Claire, your Talking own Clareborn is um, something about her. I don't like her. I think Mick McCarty's rubbing off on me. Clareborn. I've I've a feeling Miriam would get it before Clareborn. She, oh, sure, she's ruled herself out as well. <laughs> so, so no one's doing it, apparently. No, no one's doing it. And he, uh, what about Samantha Library? She could throw her name in the hat. A good Absolutely. Hoop. That's who I'm getting behind. Yeah. Samantha Library. Samantha for the late late. We can finally get Tiffany's on the late late show. Um, reaction to last week Giggsy Hand East End Pod quality episode just amazing like a young Rodal with a storytelling and an interview with Arnie O'Gorman was fantastic well done to Hannah yeah and uh, there was a reply on Facebook uh, Gary Slevin just said speaking about Joe's incredible recollection he says I can't even remember where I left me car keys every morning <laughs> it's there join the club <laughs> that's boy because your wife probably moved them <laughs> That's what happens. You could do a whole section of the podcast. Oh, that, man. Um, so, yeah, one physical cap a year with the teams you played embroidered on it. We were informed. This, I, I think, can change from different FAIs. And it was Giggsy as well. Giggsy has a couple of youth caps. And he was telling me about he has one. And it could count for, like you said, the whole year you get one with all the, the stitching on it, which sounds a bit sounds a bit miserable to me, doesn't it? Like how, many, how many internationals did you play in a year? Like the seven home games for Ireland this year. Maybe 12 overall. So away games. Give well. or take, yeah. maybe. Um, Anya found her gold cap at last. Yeah, uh, very, very nice. Sent it on to Hannah. Did she actually lose it? No, she didn't lose it. It's because she has a wardrobe full of caps. It's probably because no one had asked her in a while, yeah. where's your gold cap? And we made her look for it. Um, so yeah, that was that. Yep. Uh, lots of lobs. And ships lately, Prof. Uh, I was watching this one live. Pedro Gonçalves, forty-six yard strike for Sporting in their Europa League. When Arsenal, it couldn't, it couldn't have been better. It was, unbe- oh. it was pitch perfect. Like it was unbelievable. He spotted it. There was a bit of bouncing around going on in the middle of the park. Took a touch and he nailed it. Oh, it was Brilliant. a thing of beauty. It was superb. When I when I when I was writing this in earlier, I just I started fantasizing about all my favorite lobs and chips over the years. I think. My favourite scoop now would be Raul did one for Real Madrid oh, possibly late 90s now, this was literally a scoop like he was standing still nearly and he you got see his my hand foot, now it's going he got his foot right under and went up and down the goalkeeper he had no right to even attempt this and somehow he scored Forrester was a scoop wasn't it? I'd say so yeah Forrester was a scoop um, but possibly my favourite ever which is a lob I think Um one of my earliest memories of football when Zaragoza beat Arsenal. Oh, Naeem. In the last minute, yeah. The last minute of extra time. Was either the 90 minute or the 120 minute. Uh, they're drawing one all. I just remember the commentary just, it was almost a given that Arsenal were going to win this match somehow. I think they were defending champions in the Cup Winners' Cup. And uh, the, <laughs> the only man to lob Seaman 40 yards as the catchphrase went. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, an unbelievable goal I just remember that making a big impression on me it was like a, like a last minute lob yeah. to win a European final I thought oh my um, god what else was there Beckham obviously the original against Wimbledon Neil yeah Sullivan. that was a few couple of years later um, one that I always love and I'm hoping I'm getting this right it was the Dortmund the Juve Champions League final oh yeah, yeah. Lars Ricken he scored twice in that final. I'm thing. nearly yeah. sure, yeah. I think Paul Lambert might have played for Dortmund at the time there as well. If you well. look up YouTube, actually, there's a clip of him talking about that. And uh, he said he was aware all season that that Juve keeper kept coming off his line. No and way. he said he thought about it for, well, 
he didn't know he was going to play U of A in the final. But leading up to the final, he was thinking the whole time, I'm going to wait for my moment and I'm going to love him. It was amazing pre-planning. Did it? Yeah. Um, Berbatov was always one for a lob. Cantalas won against Sunderland. Sunderland. Yeah. Lionel Letizzi in goal. I think it was. I love the non-celebration as well. Yeah. That one. Um, yeah. So that's it. That's once again you get your own podcast out of that whole discussion oh, because, of because chips and lobs and yeah. dinks and pings and whatever else there is. But there was a shooting prof the Dubliner pub in Reykjavik where we were based in 2017 and two people injured. I think uh, it's because they ended happy hour and they started shooting <laughs> up the place. Because that is the most expensive pub we've ever been in. <laughs> but when does Happy Hour in that pub? 3am when it's still bright? Yeah. Like literally drinking 12 euro points and then you go out at 3 in the morning and it is bright like it is 3pm. It's just like, this is wrong. <laughs> and then you get charged 25 euro for a subway and a Coke. You're like, I just want to go home. That was an expensive city. No mention of Steve the, Steve the Viking there. No. But uh, thankfully no one killed him. Sportsman, wasn't he? Sportsman. Yes, so... um. And the family of Jacko McDonough have started a GoFundMe after he suffered a stroke in May 2022. So please donate if you can. If you are interested in sending any money their way, let us know and we'll give you the link. And you can find it on Facebook, you can find it on Twitter, and all those social media platforms. Yeah, definitely donate to this one. Um, we actually interviewed Jacko, uh, I think it was two years ago. So it's always sad when someone you interview is going through something like this. So yeah, definitely, definitely donate. And we also have some more bad news, unfortunately, and rest in peace to Aaron Green, his mother, Carmel. So um, we only found out after recording the show last week as well. So obviously that's why Aaron has been stepped away from the force team for a short while. So He was uh, given the whole week, apparently, away from training. Brazier said, take the week. Yeah. So obviously um, we send our condolences to the Greens and, and all their, yeah. their family. We move on to the football side of things, Prof. Um, we drew to all in talent. It was a great game. It really was. Drew to all in pa- with Pats and talent, and uh, we had Barney with a rallying cry. Good L, yeah. Big B with a rallying cry on Facebook, and it did. It kind of, I think it kind of worked because the atmosphere was brilliant. Everything was better. Uh, Everything the, was better. The atmosphere was noticeably a notch up from Derry. Straight, straight away, I noticed that. Um, this was classic Northside Hoopaholic this post yeah. this was Barney on form from 10 years ago uh, Carl Kearns remember this he says he used to love his post on the form meaning Northside Hoopaholic Barney uh, I didn't know Barney then and if you had pointed out to me in Talca and told me the most logical man on the form was that locked bloke with his top off trying to fight the world then I would have said that makes perfect sense in the context <laughs> of Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, he used to love his posts on uh, on the old forum. So uh, the Maldrum beforehand, downstairs is hopping. Have you still not been in here? Ma- no, I was, I was in there. It was downstairs. Oh you're downstairs. One, and then members okay. bar itself. Hmm. Not many people there. Um, what time are you there I got there about 7 I, I was there pretty much from the start with 3 yeah, it's not great now to be honest but listen it's it's that's just temporary accommodation yeah. downstairs was jammed really you don't have to go downstairs next time absolutely so. jammed so much so that we were going to stay downstairs but we were like actually we can't because there's nowhere to sit <laughs> so we went up to the members and there was, was loads of room next game is a Monday though so there won't be one um yeah. And are they scheduled to open the 899 in April? 
Uh, it's it's how long's a piece of string, profits struggling at the minute. We don't know yet. We'll, but yeah. we'll any announcements we'll find out. We'll, we'll definitely yeah. Uh, the horse racing on the screen, although. Your surely has no interest in uh, Cheltenham and all that. I didn't um, even do one bet prop. Not even a name I liked. And no. there were some cool names. There's always some loosely related Rovers horse, isn't there? Larry. Something, <laughs> something Larry. Larry. Something like that. Uh, I didn't have the food this time. Uh, I needed some money left over for the electricity bill. <laughs> uh, Hoopsian was there. Um, I got brought in a copy and I was with Robbie Gaffney at my table. And he was... Buried in it. He got stuck in the hoop scene. Didn't say a word to me for about half an hour he was reading it. Are you sure he was reading it? That's just his excuse not to talk to <laughs> And he put it down and he goes, that's fucking great reading. It is. He it really is. It. I'm flicking through it now here. It's class. It's absolutely class. Uh, the gent. Remember when we were talking about the big moment? The gent opens the program and he sees his article. How did he feel? Uh, for the first time. Yeah, I, I asked him, was he getting the fuzzy feelings? And he said he was. <laughs> the fuzzy feelings. Although we forgot to fodder in Kieran, so he was disappointed in that. But next time. Yeah, so um, we had Baz announcing his retirement on Twitter that day, Prof, who I didn't know was playing, still, still playing football, playing for his local team. And I had the scoop in the programme, which was actually a coincidence. It looks like I've timed it perfectly, but I just rang him because we were playing Pats, and I wanted somebody to play for both clubs. And he just goes... I've actually just retired now. You've uh, you tipped the scale there, did you? <laughs> With your interview. <laughs> yeah. I'm retiring. Yeah, so five o'clock kickoff, Paddy's Day. About a quarter past three. Came in a bit earlier this time because I wanted to take my rightful seat right in front of the Tormies and Dangerous Day have done. We took the part we took the perch back anyway, that was for sure. Did you? But see we were the way it worked, I was uh Moya was in a parade, right? and parade playing for a football team so they went for a parade and there was a co- good couple of Rovers fans there like we're all in and around the Bluebell team a couple of Rovers fans season ticket holders and we're all looking at each other and we're like fucking thing is supposed to start at 2 o'clock it's 3 o'clock we haven't budged so there's issues so I'm there saying we're all there trying to explain to our kids we're like yeah this listen it, it, it's ending around the corner and they're like they're, they're still waving flags it's not ending I'm like it's fucking ending dragging them into the car get in kick off it's 5 o'clock so we got there decent enough time um, and like you said in for a point or two into the margin and then we John Cody on commentary prop very good very good big fan of John mm-hmm. uh, likes to likes the sound of his own voice we know that anyway from him and Bill Gleeson's escapades <laughs> together on the Sunday yeah. in Fitzy so now John uh, was very good I saw Khan doing his uh, LOI TV pre-match with, uh, with Brazzer and they did this with full volume on the PA you know, that's a new one. You know, is like, this on purpose? Uh, no, but the point was, I think so. Everybody could hear what was going I'm on. I'm trying to think what the sound was. You know that brim full of Asher. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Brim full of Asher. Yeah, yeah. That sound was blaring. Oh my God, who sings? And it? I was just thinking, hang on. When I used to do these LOI TV previews, we would just nod to Dan on the PA, and he'd turn it down for us. So Con, it's about who you know. Uh, Profit the poll. <laughs> Um, yeah so very good from John excellent stuff and uh, Garth's got to watch his back prof it's a tough world for those co-coms out there I presume Garth was uh, just had an off week wasn't he and just, uh, he'll be back soon but uh, good to see Cody step in um, the past crowd Gar 1200 1200 it was it was good they always get a big crowd they always sell it out quick and I have no issue with this and this was a debate online 
and a couple of other people seem to have think that that's given them an advantage. Personally, I don't think it is. We've actually had this debate before. I think it's madness. about balls. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you're giving them that much of an advantage by giving them more tickets. I really don't. The debate balls will be a different story altogether. We know that will. Hmm. But I think the debate about giving and giving them an edge with the fans in the stand. I don't think it has too much of an effect on the pitch. Maybe slightly, but I don't think to what the levels that people are trying to portray. But this debate only comes up when we don't beat the teams. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's been plenty of times when the fans have been great and we're the winning team and nothing's happened, you know what I mean? Mm. There are a couple of unfortunate things, like the gantry is just above the East stand. So maybe, I haven't actually watched any LOI TV of Rovers this season except the highlights. Yep. But I imagine they're quite loud, especially like the passive guys. Are, I'm sure that's coming across very well on LOI TV, just below the gantry. But uh, that is what it is. So yeah, 1,200 pats, bail included, sadly. Yep. I could hear the bail. Even um, when I was looking at their starting 11, I was noticing like a couple of really young guys in from England. Carty was mm-hmm. one of them. I think McGrath was another. I just didn't even know who they were. Well, my my first first thing my eyes were drawn to was the goalkeeper. Mm. I was like, who are uh, who are you? Dean Linus. I was like, I've never heard of him. Never heard of him. Some English dude. And he ends up being probably their man of the match. Yep, man of the match. I thought Creda was brilliant for them as well. Mm-hmm. The Estonian in the middle. Mm-hmm. He's very, very busy. Lovely player. A little bit of oomph about him. So that's their, their Marcus Poom, is it? Yeah, their Marcus Poom. They yeah. had Mulraney on the bench, the uh, the eventual goal scorer. Um, going in, Gar. Yeah, so very confident going in, Prof. I, so much so, I went for the last man standing, which fucked me in the end. Um, <laughs> so Baldabus lost to uh, Rovers. Rovers. I was the only one that picked him, actually. Um, I was just so, so confident. And I think I think I was right to be, because we played really, really well. They had a start in 11. I don't think we got two. Did we get it right? We didn't. I don't. I think we didn't. We didn't was, get Kenny uh, right. We none of us started Kenny. No, I was actually happy to see Tell start because when I saw him, I just thought I have a feeling Tell is going to have a good game here. Yeah. We and need some sort of consistency somewhere, don't we? Somewhere along the mm-hmm. line, like we need to know our best eleven. We need to have some sort of consistency. Yeah. No, I was very confident going in. I just thought we've had all our bad luck with the red cards. I thought we had the bad luck with the penalties, but no, we gave away another penalty. Um, I just thought, bar anything crazy, we're going to play well and win this. I was actually more nervous about the next fixtures. Because at the back of my mind was, I was looking at it Dundalk well. away and Bowser away. We can't afford to keep this winless streak going, going into them. Two, so a winless streak going into Dundalk and Bowser. just going to skip that one. Both may, may, maybe, maybe for next week's show. But like I said, and the very fact that the break was next as well. Yeah, I, I thought we're gonna win. I'm gonna bounce into the break. As I was thinking, the score was it a good time for the break? Is it a bad? Like we're only in the four series. I haven't played any of the like some of the bigger teams yet. Is it a good time for the break? Is it a bad time for the break? Do you want to keep playing, get the win out of the way? But it's done dark next. But like I said, Prof, I was um, I was surprised Johnny Kenny started. I was gonna go Bork. So I don't know the decision behind dropping Bork, but um, personally I think I probably would have started him. Uh, Kenny was getting into all the right positions. Did were you happy with starting eleven? Um. Yeah. No, I didn't expect Kenny to start either. And he, we've had this conversation already about holding up the ball hmm. in Sligo. He wasn't. He wasn't doing that. Um. 
he's not the man to that to do that. But he, once again, don't forget, like what I've noticed when I've seen Pico play this year is do you know when a ball gets kind of clipped into the channels, as the famous Pat Tutty would say, clip it into the channels, and the defend, defender has to turn his back and run towards it with a defender ch- with a striker chasing him. Yeah, I've noticed that Pico is so much more assured in those situations that he'll tr- take a touch and he'll try and turn and pass it. Whereas before, east east stand into the Maldron. It would be yeah. launched and watch that. Watch that in particular. Know the situation I'm talking about when a ball's clipped over, and they're struggling. I definitely have they're, seen they're, that. Yeah. yeah, Pico takes a touch, turns, looks, tries to get a pass off, or he'll use his left foot and put it up the wing. Like that's mm. the type of change. You, if you, if you can change a player who, let's be honest, couldn't barely pass water when he came from a central defensive midfielder into what he is now, and you, I know it's been a few years, obviously, mm. but. Maybe maybe that's what he's working on with Kenny, trying to get the ball to stick to him up top because he had he had chances. I do I like lots of elements to Kenny's game and he should have scored twice in this match. Oh, the he header, had two great header chances. into the south stand. Yeah, the header. Um but we started like a house on fire. It was deadly. And we were shooting from distance. Yeah. Aside from the two goals. Like we must have peppered the goal three times in the like first Your big thing for minutes. the first four or five games was why don't we shoot? Oh, I was annoying. Jack Bourne, why don't you shoot? And you can understand it's a we're, we're, it's a style of play what we're trying to do. But we move we move on anyway. We we came into this game all guns blazing prop. It was a brilliant brilliant start. There was a chance before the goal. Uh, Hart nearly headed in. Uh, yeah, Jack Brown free kick on seventeen minutes, and then four minutes later, Garrett the goal. Yeah, magic stuff. A little bit of a interception in the middle of the park, out wide to a young Rory Gaffney. And he can pick a pass. Oh, I love this. He pass. just did that big swing. You know the. You know what I'm on about. He has that technique yeah. where his arms flail. He <laughs> swings. He's like he's gonna go around in a circle. And yeah. it was a p- inch perfect pass into tell through the eye of a needle. As eye of a needle. There was no space. There was a couple of inches here and there. Touch from tell and lovely, lovely slotted. Passed it in. Passed it in. Little nick off the post. It actually looked different when I watched it back. I just thought he hit a good strike and placed it but now when I watched the replay from the opposite side the camera side it was like hang on not he, much has, pace. he has calmly slotted that and rolled corner. it in yeah. yeah there's not much pace on it at all so brilliant start great um, great start to the game and Just, South Stand's rocking yeah um, South Stand was rocking um, the celebration yeah took off the black armband which all the players were wearing yeah yeah held it up to the stand Lovely little dedicated gesture. Dedicated to, green, to Greener. Uh, there had been a minute's applause before the match for Aaron's mother, Carmel. Yeah. Fans so, were more in unison, I noticed as well, with the South Stand. They were more on the same page, which I think is what we need to do as regards mm. to the South Stand. Like, just everybody, like, let one, let the, let the, let the fucking ultras lead. You know what I mean? And if, let, let's say if someone else does start a song on the right-hand side where the other people stand, everybody joined in. That's... It's not hard. It's not. Oh, you don't not, need to yeah. fucking choreographer this shit. You just need to just go with the flow. I think and everything just seemed better. Like yeah, the, it, it was. It was louder. The atmosphere was better. The songs were 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 gone. Um, and we had an early lead, which helps. But all season we've been giving up leads. Yeah, Jack Bourne um, pulling all the strings in the middle of the park again. Prof, I thought he was excellent. Oh, he was brilliant. He um, was superb. Having said that, pass nearly equalised straight after. Uh, big save by Big Al uh, down to his right uh, then after that the ball flashed across our box uh, I can't remember which pass player it was but 
it, we were at his mercy and we were just thinking we've got away with one they there. had a couple of them though they, they yeah. had a couple of those balls getting flashed across the box and it was the only bit of joy they were getting and I mm. just hearts in your mouth type stuff wasn't it yeah and like I mentioned Johnny Kenny two chances most notably the second from the header should score this and we should be two ahead oh, and we should have that cushion um, but Pats were threatening on the counter attack all the time it was it was a cracking game um, I felt that in the middle of the park we were a lot better. Gary O'Neill was a little bit more adventurous as well. Um, Trevor Clark is having a fucking great season, in my opinion. I, I really think he is. I think that he, he opens up the play so much. He, like he, what he does is simple. What he does is simple. He gets the pot and he runs. And he's, his, his end product is much better. I just I'm loving watching Trevor Clark. I really am. He's, he's class at the minute. He's made the biggest impact of the four signings so yeah. far for sure. Yeah. So on to the penalty, and it's our we're almost enemy again, Prof. Hor has been. Um, I I love Sean Hor. He's a great player, but it's the extra. I think it was just a bad touch, or he took an extra touch and he then mis- he lost possession. So the, the miscontrol yeah. made him make the tackle. Did you watch it in slow motion though? <sighs> I think Del, uh, I think Owen Doyle is nearly on the ground. Absolutely, he made a meal before the challenge even goes in. But that's what you do, man. You see an opportunity. You you see someone sticking their leg out, and you know it's going to be fifty-fifty. You're going down. I know, but I was surprised because I saw a few people saying stone wall, and then I watched the back, and I was like, Ugh. no, it's not. It's not stone wall, but it is a penalty. Like he, he gave him the option to go over mm. his leg, and, and it happened. So listen, uh, Tommy Tommy says, "I'm not allowed to go to the Jacks anymore because." That's when I went, but right before this tackle, and I came back and it was one all, so I'm banned. Banned um, from you're gonna have to keep the bladder full, prof. Yeah. So so, se- so all, first yeah. half gone, and I just thought to myself, okay, I was very confident. I really was. I was going into this thinking these are okay. They haven't really tested us. They're still under pressure, and um, they had a couple of decent subs to make. I just felt okay. We're gonna come out once again, guns blazing. And second half we came out and Jacko did it. So Ferrugia had the ball out wide. Ferrugia just sprays the ball to Jack. And in my head I'm thinking, just fucking have a pop, man. There was nobody around him. This was a, realistically, right, he shouldn't have had a shot. Because it's a ridiculous angle. It's a ridiculous angle. He saw Ferrugia. Do you look at the past players? No one's interested in no causing one cares. them down. Because they're like, just Jack. go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's about 30 odd yards out. It's to the right. And the swerve he got on it had no right to swerve the way it did. It was a mental, mental goal. Keeper just dived because he knew. He knew it was in. He goes, oh, (laughs) got to dive. Got to dive. It's an absolutely sensational hit. Uh, Aside from his iconic Dundalk 3-2 winning goal. He did the weasel as well. He did the weasel Yeah, he did. Aside from the the Dundalk 3-2, which is always going to be hard to top because of what it meant. I love the way he pulls away from Chris Shields. Could that be Jack's best goal for us? Oh. Dundalk man I can't I can't go away from Dundalk the, if we're going to judge it purely on goals and cosmetic looks and not situational yeah then I think you could be right there but if we're going to judge it what about the, the UCD goal where you beat like seven people either way That's if you're going to judge yeah. it without being like the severity of a situation where we had to beat Dundalk that Dundalk wins it all day but that possibly is the best ever goal yeah no celebration either really except for the weasel at the oh, end that annoys uh, me they're still doing it what 
they didn't really celebrate for the first goal either. I know Tell walked over, but they, they're all walking. Why are they walking when they're celebrating? Why don't they run? <laughs> Do Am I mad here? No, you're not. I remember last season. They walk. They turn around and they go, oh, scored. I'd be fucking doing laps. <laughs> Oh, Do you remember last season I felt like we went days without a South Stand celebration and yeah. then the Pats 4-1 we did it for nearly all the goals we celebrated those in front of the South Stand uh, John Cody's reaction to seeing one of the best goals we've ever seen in Tata was oh it's in <laughs> I know I liked it I liked it um, yeah so Gareth certain podcasters last week were complaining about why Jack, Jack Byrne won't shoot so hashtag Jack listens. Hashtag bump podcast bump. Um, chances to go three one up, prof. Um, we had a fucking couple of cracking saves from Linus. Yeah, Trevor Clark is so unlucky. <sighs> Sees a shot. He should have this, four or this, five this goals. This where Linus touches it onto the post. Yeah, he should have four or five goals this season. Jack, Jack <sighs> really should. He's had a couple of one on ones where you should be burying them. You know, Trevor Jack. Oh, uh, sorry, Trev. Yeah, Tom, Trevor, yeah. yeah. I can't believe he hasn't scored yet. It's, it's crazy. Uh, Richie Towell also, really unlucky. Sees a header just go wide. Um, so you're like, oh, we we know we need this cushion. We need the two-goal cushion. We need to go 3-1 fe- up. I didn't feel under mad pressure until... Yeah, but from what you've seen this season and because we're winless, yeah. you're like, we need this third goal. The, like, I will say that it's the subs. It's the most... It's the nerviest subs I've ever seen us make. It's Brad's are. It felt like it was Brad's are trying to get this win over the line and not abandoning the philosophy, but slightly scaling back what we'd normally do and going defensive. And you can understand it because it's what? How many games in? What are we in there now? Five? And we've no wins on, and uh, we're 2 1 up against Pats at league. home. You can understand it to a certain perspective, but. For me, I think that the I would have went with putting Fruja on the left if Clark had to come off because I'm guessing he had to come off, and I would have put uh, Gannon on the right. Some people felt it turned after Clark came off. Uh, possibly, uh, yeah. Pats began to pile the pressure on. Um, I think the first thing Adam Murphy did for Pats was absolutely dice Cavo. When was the last time Brazzer brought on two unforced subs, yeah. two defenders? We ended up with seven defenders on the pitch. Because Sean Hoare moves into midfield. Um, is it Which case- I wasn't totally... I, I was okay with that. No, we've seen him play well there before. Yeah. Was it a case of there were nervy subs, but also a mix of he was limited because Burke and Burt are on the bench. But we've seen already this season, Burt has been on the bench a number of times, but has not been used because, as we're hearing, they're managing a, a groin injury he has. Yeah. Then we also hear after possibly Burke was carrying an injury. So you have like, to think of it in what you're saying is they're thinking in the long game as well because if they mm. do bring them on in a robust Dublin derby like that and they tweak, mm. they're out for balls and Dundalk. So you have to think long game as well. But your average Joe is just looking at the bench and he's like, our two attacking players I want him. are being left yeah. in the bench. I want Bort, I want Bort. Why aren't they playing? Yeah, I can, yeah. I, That's from the untrained eye you could see. But they did ultimately kind of... Like, like Gaffney as well Gaffney doesn't seem to be able to play 90 minutes as well so overall you got to be happy with that performance but like Mulraney comes back and it's a bit of magic for Mulraney it's a bit of pinball in the middle of the park he takes a chance and he kind of stops 
in his tracks to anticipate a header. I think Richie should have won a header maybe as well. Ball bounces around, he takes a touch, moves forward, and buries the ball in off the bar, off the off the, off the post. I looked at a couple of players approached him. Who expected when, him when to it was, do that? No, no, I'm not like, not taking that away from him, but a couple of players weren't sure who was meant to come to the ball mm. positionally. But that aside, but it's, he's it's, forty it's yards out, and, and you're on his left foot, and you're thinking it's it's an unbelievable shot. And I can't believe it's taken the shine off Jack Burns' goal. I know, but, but that's like yeah. people say, oh, she'll close him down. Get, like, just clap a decent, not clap it, but it's a superb strike. What, Again, what, what can you do? It's because of the situation we're in. We're yeah. winless. You you might want to nitpick. Um, not booked for a celebration, which uh, I didn't even know it was a celebration because that was the most sickened I've been by an opposition goal probably since Sporting Fingo in wow. 2010. Not, okay, shame. obviously the cup final. Let's say a league match then. Most sickened I've been since then. Uh, and so I didn't even notice that. I was I zoned out for two minutes. I was just like, oh my God. And then I heard later he was picking it up in front of the smug south Smug little prick, man. What was that? like? He, would, he wasn't even celebrating. He was just smiling. <laughs> and I was looking and going, oh. It'd be one thing if we singled him out for abuse all game or something, but like, what was the purpose of that? Why? <sighs> because he could boil piss and all the. Mm. Do you know what? We the fucking the ref would have had a field day with us if if I had been wrong. So he's not giving a yellow card for that, but Danny Mandroyu was once booked in Daily Mount for standing inside the field of play, kissing his tattoo with his girlfriend's name on it. Who's in the stand? In front of an entirely balls crowd because the way fans weren't let in. Danny was booked for that. Well, Rainey runs over to the away fans, practically to the front row. Literally to the front row. Goes them. No booking. Yeah. Um, we move on because it's took the wind out of our sails, I'll be honest, but we had chances, bro. We had chances. Jack hit the post. We had two chances. Th- two or three chances. There's another chances one with Linus. Linus saves at the end. The point blank one. I just, yeah. you know what I want? I want something to break for us in the box. And we just <sighs> bury it. Same way we've been conceding. One of those balls that hits off someone's arse, bounces up, someone gets a scruffy header, and then we just nod it in or poke it in. I want one of them. But you could say we already got a break with Jack's goal. Because mm. nine times out of ten, that goes over the stand. Yeah. Into the car park. Very much so, yeah. But we need to win. We just scored three goals to win every match now because we're conceding. But uh, What's um, going on at the back? What well, is going on? Well, one's a penalty and the other's 30, 40 yards. Yeah, but in general, we're not the same. We're, we're coughing we're, up too many we're chances. We're rusty. Even before, five minutes before that equaliser... Manus had to tip over a shot from Breslin. It was, yeah. it was a great save. Yeah, yeah, that was good on the near hand, the near post. Yeah. But like we say, Jack nearly scores right at the end, hits the post, and then the chance you're talking about, I think it's the half volley by Tell, point blank. How does Linus stop this? Like, where, like, no, it was like, literally, I was screaming, Who are you? <laughs> I know. Like, what, what, why? For you, for far Why game. today? Before the game, I was looking up his career and was like, yeah, yeah, you're a journeyman. This will be grand. No, he's man the match. Just a final point on the subs. Um, in some ways, it feels kind of silly because we're just, we're kind of being armchair managers telling the three in a row when a manager Being what armchair to do. managers, we are. Fucking yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, but lots of times in the six years, we have praised Bradford for his subs. Sometimes his subs have changed games. 
I'm sure we've thrown the word genius around. Um, this is just the other side of it, isn't it? Where is this one of those games where games can be won or lost on managers' choices, and they did get it wrong this time. But it's easy for like like I said, it's the easy option. It's the easy option to turn around and say he had all these defenders on the pitch and they drew to all. Not mm. really one of those defenders or anything had a kind of impact on the goal. It was just a cracker of a goal. If mm. we win that game 2-1, it's a masterstroke. It's a, it's a tactical masterstroke. If the ball from Trevor's shot goes a few inches the other other yeah. way, we win 3-1 and we close at the game. Possibly the jammiest, not jammy, but the unluckiest season in like. Nothing's breaking. How are you, you know? feeling? Like walking out of Tata, six without a win. How are you feeling at this point after seeing that goal go in? I'm I'm all I'm all right because we're playing well. Yeah, I'm all right. Honestly, I'm but, I'm not worried yet because, like I said, it's it's a bad start. But I'm confident this team. But in some ways, it's hurting me more that we're playing well. If we were just playing badly and losing, it'd be yeah. like, well, we know why. But the fact that we're playing really well in these games. And keep drawn is so infuriating. And we had the whole thing for at the start of the season. We had the Titties Hotline talking about who we did want a big season from. And a lot of people said Jack. I said Jack. And Jack's given us this great start and he's doing well. Uh, that's that's the biggest positive for me, the return of Jack. Return of Jack. Uh, yeah. Luck is definitely a part of it. It is. Listen, it's gonna, I think it's going to click. We're not going to delve too much into it. The performance... Um, Just on Jack, actually... I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's actually tragic that Jack's goal is not a match winner and that it's going to be forgotten about like the Dan Carr flick yeah. against Bowles, which one of the best ever goals in Tata, by the way. I stand by that. Absolutely. Yeah. And if I say it to 95% of Rowers fans, they'll be like, what? What goal was that? What are you talking about? Yeah. And, it, it, and we're not talking about a Jack Byrne masterclass and a winning goal. It'll be totally forgotten about. And that's heartbreaking to me. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit harsh. But like I said, we we are, we we think I think it's gonna we're gonna turn a corner eventually. Yeah, so probably another brilliant game to watch, regardless. Um, trills and spills and just a deadly atmosphere and a just enjoyable, enjoyable game of football. As a spectacle, the three home games have been unbelievable. Uh, season ticket holders getting their value for money, whatever consolation that is. Dear, but twelve goals in total. The last two games. Imagine someone had said to you there would be 12 goals scored in the Cork and past games and neither team would win the game. I'm going to win a match. Uh, um, yeah, no, but I think like, I think we will. We will eventually click and like uh, a couple of fans have been saying we're going to hop off someone eventually. Performances individually. Um, I, I think Farouge is going to get there. I think I want to see him on the left though. Hmm. I want to see him on the left and I want to see him shoe. I think he did have a couple of shots. But if he's on the left, um, Trevor? I don't know. I think leave Do Trevor. Leave him on the right. We're going to leave Farouj on the right. Leave, leave Trevor on the left. Yeah, Trevor's uh, doing well. Richie Tell was brilliant. Yeah. But I want from Tell now is I want two games in a row of that level performance. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's build on it, build on it, build. But now here's a break. That's the thing. But the whole Johnny Kenny mm. thing as well. Is he down? Is his confidence down? I'm not sure because he's getting into the right spaces. He's doing mm. the right thing. He's just a little bit off. There was a young fella standing behind me and there was an anticipated ball where Johnny could have been three or more steps ahead if he had have anticipated 
and his confidence could have been a little bit more. If that was the case, he would have rounded the keeper and intercepted a pass. Do you know what I mean? It was a short-sighted pass from maybe Redmond. If he had just anticipated slightly, if he was on his game, he would have... you know what I'm thinking? Is it a case of that? And I was thinking on 60 minutes, it was Paul McGrath to be right. We were discussing if taking him off would have a, a bad effect on his confidence. Or do we just need to be fucking ruthless and go for the jugular here and bring on someone who will take one of those chances that we're creating? Because yeah. he did, he did get a lot of chance, like the header and a couple of other chances. Getting into the right spots. I think he'll be Nick's another one. He'll, he'll go on a run. Get, he'll give his confidence Yeah, up. I think he'll go on a run. He'll Speaking of runs, run. people keep saying, <laughs> when we do turn it around results-wise, and we'll go on a run, are we going to be able to put a run of six, seven wins together? Absolutely. In, in this league, in this, which, this league this season, which is so competitive, which is so full of derbies, which is so full of teams out to stop the four in a row. It's gonna, not going to be easy to put this run I know, together. but I think we can do it. And it's going to be unexpected. It's not going to be what you think it is. It's not like I'm, I'm going to say it now. It starts, it starts in Dundalk. We're going to beat Dundalk and we're going to beat both. I think we're going to win one of those two games anyway. Right, we're going to win both and we're going to go on and go on to a good run after that. That's what I'm going to say. Um, yeah, post-match. Uh, went to the Pines briefly. Uh, as Mick McCarthy said, it's only us all foes in here. So um, Karen Connolly didn't stop by, and she says uh, could be worse, could be Bulls fans. Yeah, which did cheer me up a little bit. Although then I remembered they are ten points ahead of us. <laughs> uh, I got did get me first raise curry the season, gear So every cloud now. I that. went in at seven, and he was having an old shandy. And I was thinking to myself, who the fucking night off here? Like, did, was there Ray's Curry? <laughs> uh, unofficially, there was Ray's Curry. Oh, you fucking got a sneaky <laughs> one, didn't you? Because he was having, I said, oh, it's yeah. good to see you having a night off and that. And then you fucking got a sneaky one. Got a sneaky one. Yeah. So, the attendance? Uh, 7624, superb attendance again. And it was, because everywhere you looked, there was the odd seat around the bigger crowds. And that was probably just season ticket holders who couldn't make it, but we definitely... Now you're looking, you're looking at the East End now I thought there was A fair few empty seats So when I looked at that And I looked at the official figure I thought No I'm all, I'm I'm happy enough with it Because there was It was very very packed In all stands I felt Now no, definitely a, a top performance And our, our top attendance Prof again On Paddy's Day as well like Unbelievable stuff Yeah Well Gary O'Neill post match Super Gaz, Padre Pio, we're in it together. Player, staff, fans, everyone, we're in this together. We're in a tough run at the minute, and I've no doubt with this group, the tide will turn and better days are ahead again. I believe, Gar. I'm always up there with Gar. I think he had a much better game this week, and I believe that it is going to happen. And this team have overcome so many mental obstacles and physical ones as well. I think that it's going to click eventually. I'm very, very confident. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm not like I sh- we should possibly if you look at the results we should be a meltdown <laughs> you know when we did hammer the team before during the Bows winless run and we said the team was spineless we had some fucking rants on here very different times we had some rants on here different I'm players not in, I'm nowhere near there you know what I mean I'm I'm happy I'm confident I think it's going to work um, Brad's just saying small marriages are going against us as well I do I think that's the case I think it is it's just a little bit of a little bit of um, you need to just fucking be jammy at some at some stage as well, and just get a bit of luck. I think it'll come good, and we'll move on. But as Joey O'Brien used to say, "Gar, ah, listen, 
clean sheets win leagues yeah and the moment we're not looking like keeping the clean sheets so we're gonna need we're gonna need two or three to win every match I'm hearing Joey's not with happy with the chances we're copping up yeah I'm hearing he's not happy at shells really no you're not happy ah listen no not happy at all we might have so, to swoop in the stats are not pleasant this week so I will race through them <sighs> We've drawn three league games in a row for the first time since the run of five in March, April 2013 under Trevor Drawley. <laughs> Drawley. Remember Spreadsheet the- King. Yeah. If you listen to our points tally in the first six games, they have reduced season by season. Slower and slower starts. So in 2020, after six games, we took the maximum 18. 2021, 14 points. 2022, 10 points. And now this year, 5 points. So, if we do the 4 in a row, we'll have done it with a worse start season on season. <laughs> yeah, just edit that one out, Prof. Just get rid of that stuff. That, that's... Can you, can you, like, show us how we end the season then? And... Uh, how I project the ending of the yeah, season no, um, maybe not maybe not so yeah 8 games without a win all competitions said that last week worse since 10 2008 uh, 6 in the league also worse since 10 in 2008 2009 uh, only second time in the club's history we've started with a winless 6 opening games the other time was 8 in 1995 <laughs> so slow start uh, slow start but don't forget, other teams will not go on and be able to be consistently as good as we have been in the previous season. Mm. That's how I feel it is anyway. So you're going to have other teams around to drop points as well. I started looking into a few things, just out of curiosity. No, oh, here we go. Not to like... Not to jinx or reverse jinx or whatever you want to call it. I just wanted to look into history. Have defending champions ever started as badly and have eventual champions ever started this badly and won a league I need to know in the 100 years so the worst ever by defending champions was Cork Celtic in 1974 failed to win their first 7 matches so it's possible well they didn't win the league I'm just saying they were so far they are the worst defending champions the worst start ever Uh, funny enough the worst the worst ever start by a team who won the league that's that what season I want. that's what I want was actually Rovers in 2010 with Stephen Bradley in midfield because we won one drew three lost two so that's six points that's the lowest points tally in the first six games by eventual champions ever Ever the rest of them the, the worst is eight including Bowles under Roddy 2000-2001 he got he won twice two draws two losses so and we have five so it will be unprecedented if we do it Gar so there's the history yeah, thanks for that prof other results the Loud Derby was on Thursday dropped it uh, beating at home in a bit of form now Dundalk our prof I called this one 1-0 actually myself and Tommy Tarmy and a few others are doing that prediction league I got 1-0 um, and we had three other games we cork with a very, very bad home loss, let's be honest, against a, sh- a poor Shells. Well, I think a hard working Shells team, but poor up top, and it's a great away win for them. See, Shells have the best defensive record in the league. Yeah, they work hard. They work hard. 
Joey, get him. I still have Joey back. the league table, yeah. Because, because of where we are, obviously. Wait, wait we go up a couple. I just, I'll probably only wait, we win our next two I'll wait till May, probably, yeah. to look. Bowles beat UCD 2-1 after going down 1-0. And we Derry won, Sligo won in some absolute mayhem in that game. Um, there was a decision in the middle of the park. And Derry, um, Derry won a foul, but they played on. And McGonagall was put through. Berry's it. Ref brings it back and gives him a free. Has this been officially confirmed what happened? Because well, I'm hearing there's a handball by McGonagall. Yeah, but what? everyone's gone mad online saying, why doesn't he play the advantage? It's an awful decision. But then I saw someone say, no, it's because of the handball. And then I heard Graham Gartland on RTE Soccer Podcast today criticising the decision. But obviously he was kind of, he went into the mind of the ref of why he, why he made the decision. But he didn't mention any handball. So what what officially happened? We don't. We still don't know. Just watch it. It didn't look like there was handball to me. So he pulled it back and he gave the free kick to Derry. If it's mm-hmm. not handball, because McGonagall buries this, there's no reason not to play advantage there, yeah. is there? No, I, I really don't. It's a. Uh, it's great though. It's <laughs> great. Boys. It's great. Yeah. As 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 Gareth said, uh, it gave Sligo a boost. Yep. When that got that goal doesn't go in. That's five goals now for Mata, the New Zealander. Yeah, a hat trick included in there somewhere as well, prof. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was the roundup of games there, and we went uh, Talca Park. If you are watching on TV, TG Kiahar for some of our soccer naman yeah. For Shelburne August Shamrock Rovers. Shelburne August Shamrock Rovers. Um, so this was the grudge match, as you call it, Gare, against uh, fake money being thrown at <laughs> uh, seventeen, eighteen-year-old girls. Yeah, now it's the Shelburne fans standing behind the goal. Which, will this be the only game all season, men or women's, where Shells fans stand behind the goal? Where, uh, where we normally stand? I, I think so, yeah. I think very possibly. But um, So we took on Noel King, uh, notorious FEI stooge, and opponent of Milltown and women's football. Never forget, folks. Appar- yeah, apparently... This he- man is always on the wrong side of history. Every, every time he's on the wrong side <laughs> didn't he turn around off the ball and say or off off air or whatever he said to Collie and Collie was like what's the story have you got an issue with me he's like no sure you're just doing what I did for years yeah and then on telly he said something like oh, should I have six Shells players what do you expect yeah he said Roberts have six players there belonging to Shells you, that's you can't so help himself that's small minded isn't it it's so small minded yeah. But we're claiming a podcast bump again, girl. Podcast bump again. Is Anya scored. Anya bagged one in. She's looking so, good again, prof. I don't know how much you saw this game, girl, but I'll, I'll give a brief rundown of what happens. Robert started really well. Could have been two up early on. Uh, it was end-to-end stuff, really, for most of the game. Shelburne had a couple of good chances as well. Uh, Jamie Thompson was really, really good in this game. Um, so Roberts take the lead in the second half. So again, it involves Jamie Thompson... Uh, sets up Anya who places the well to give us the lead uh, could have been two nil up then um, Shelburne did hit they hit on post Gar, which <laughs> which really threw me for a loop at the time because I was like, like cause I was like why <laughs> I'm not in work what's, what's happening but uh, there was a good move with Larkin uh, against her old club she raced down the left set up Thompson she set up Anya but then Keeper made a good save Shelburne had like two glorious chances What's to score as well. Irish? What's struck in Irish? Struck. Hit know. hit on post. 
It is, isn't it? It hit on post. Hit, yeah. T-H-I-T. Yeah. Um, Thompson nearly scored uh, an outrageous goal. Uh, she flicked it by a defender and then the keeper made a save low to her right and then there was another one where the keeper stretched the save from Thompson again. So, Jamie won player of the match, which you do have to say in this case, but I'm not going to start saying player of the match for men's football. Um, the equalising goal came from a set piece. Um, Kieber was kind of caught in no woman's land because I don't know why she was, why she was coming to try and claim this ball, and then she retreated, and then Jesse Stapleton, who once played for Rovers, of course, and is now going to move to West Ham, she equalised. Is that a good move? So yeah that was it um, we were lucky at the end because Noel Murray had a goal ruled out for offside so that was a relief yeah so one all finished very good game and um, yeah props still haven't broke me uh, me ducked the ladies games yeah I'm a bad no. few weeks here prof worth it for Jamie Thompson alone she's, a she's supposed to be an animal looks a smashing player I yeah. saw Jason Gaffin describe her as the the, the Jack Byrne of the women's team oh wow which is quite a compliment. Quite a compliment. Um, possible chance of a call-up. Um, attendance of 756 at Talca Park, including Vera Powell. So she was uh, running the rule over. So the worth the cup. She does seem like... It is noticeable. Like she really stands out. Yeah. The way she dribbles and the way she just carries herself. All she, action. She's just really outstanding player. Robert Goggins has an interview with Jason Carey, Profits on YouTube. He said, uh, we do think that we can attract a new type of fan to watch the brand of football we're going to play over the next period of time. So um, Yeah, it's a good way of putting it, isn't it? A new type of fan because the fans who attend these women's matches, you could probably divide them into a few categories. There can be some who have always had uh, an interest in women's football. There might be some who are just curious about it the blow-ins and they might feel obligated to go to a few games because it's Rovers yeah. and hopefully keep them coming back um, from my point of view it's it's a Rovers team they're representing the club and the games have been entertaining so far so it doesn't feel like an obligation to me anymore I'm, I'm, I like it so far Probs in Probs I'm in, in. I'm in. Um, yeah so speaking about the training facilities back to Jason Carey he said at Roadstone everything's the same she said, whatever the men have, we have. Whatever gear they have, we have. We train at the same spot. We train three times a week. Everything the men have, we have too. And it is very good to see that because a lot of teams, the men would have more than the women. This is just the area that we're in now, but hopefully Rose can change that around. It's a massive thing. Even the simplest things like food after training, they get food and we get the same food as well. It's great to have things like that. And uh, yeah, that's where it should be. Shouldn't be any different, Prof. Defend, defender has settled in quickly to life at Rover, saying such a professional setup. Even with training, we train three nights a week instead of two nights. The training has increased; it's way harder. There's more football and even gym before training as well. I wouldn't used to do that in Atlone. We never did that. Yeah, she was signed from Atlone Town. Yeah. Um, this is the first professional women's side in Ireland, and Cody O'Neill was saying that they often play against the boys' teams in training to get used to the higher tempo that they wouldn't be used to yep. and try and bring that into their own league games uh, Alana McAvoy prof and hat-trick hero Jamie Thompson were in the LOI Women's Premier Division Team of the Week for Match Day 2 and Jamie was in it again this week alongside goal scorer on your ground so good start for the girls mm-hmm. good start prof um, then we have Paddy we have Paddy aka Alabama Rover tweeted this any hoop not watching the Rovers women is missing out 
at Rovers Women. Great match away to defend the champions today. Bossed it for long periods and some great football on display. Fade in the last 15, but held strong for the draw in the end. Another player of the match award for young Jamie, two in a row. And she looks quality. Got an assist and some great strikes and goals. She, I'm a fan already. Yeah, so Paddy's in really, as well. Do you know what? This is, I have to see this girl play. Um, yes, Prof. More international news. Pico is in Cape Verde's squad for the two upcoming AFCON qualifiers. Um, they were just waiting for him to come back from injuries. Same as us. <laughs> weren't they? He was never going to not be in that squad. They love him now. Um yeah. There was a Cape Verde International in the Benfica game as well, actually. Actually, or was it the Sporting Lisbon game? A couple, a couple of them playing Champions League, one of Pico's mates was. One with the 46 yard yob, lob. I think it could have been, actually. He could have been on the bench. Um, Johnny Kenny is in the Ireland 21 squad to play Iceland at Turner's Cross on Sunday, and Justin Ferrozoi made the 19s for the European qualifiers in Wexford. Um, so, looking good. Just on the topic of Ireland, your toss on the new jerseys. Uh, and the crest overhaul. I think overall it's cheap tat. I think is the way to describe it. Um, Castore. Is that how you pronounce it? Castor? Castore? I, I don't like any of their jerseys. I just don't like the look of it. don't like the feel of it. It's it's just... Listen, it's they're, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. There's not much they could have done with the yeah. whole shit show that was Umbro. I don't think they had much of a choice, to be honest. I think the pink one is horrendous. Yeah, no, it's poor. It's really poor. But listen, like I think Ray Whelan made a great point. When's the last time you bought an Ireland jersey? I'm not going to be buying the fucking thing. No, it doesn't affect us. But I don't know what it is about the crest. Maybe because I'm used to the same crest for hundred years. But it's just so plain and it looks like a Microsoft Paint job. And poor, like it's it's what goes on with the new trend in crests everybody is modernising their crests simplifying it making it less mm. detailed maybe it's I don't know easier for to, to replicate on on jerseys in the shop and, and for merch but ugh, no I'm, I, I don't get excited about anything with the Ireland team we've been watching it recently because we think there could be some green shoots and some get, some better players coming through but I couldn't give a fuck what about their, about their kit or anything like that and I don't like this new one so Screaming yeah. out for an Adidas or something to come in there or Puma, you know, but listen. Marcus Puma was called up to the Estonia squad. I think we sent that last yeah, week. Yeah, we but, got that. Uh, but he's not travelling because he's injured. He wasn't in the squad for the past game. So, more injuries. Yeah, agree. Uh, a brace for Andy Lyons last week, Prof. Um, Blackpool fans absolutely in love with Andy Lyons oh reading the tweets they love him he's, I'm not I'm not surprised I loved Andy Lyons I thought he was brilliant he was all action 9 and 9 like for a fullback and that 350,000 looking like a steal now isn't it yeah. hopefully a little clause in there for some caps definitely definitely he's going to play in the next in the next two internationals oh he didn't get included in the squad am I right no, nope, he's gonna play soon though. He will. We know he will. Kevin Zeffi has moved to the Inter Milan's on the 19th side. Has he not been playing in this already and playing above his level? This this kid has the potential. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm praying though? He doesn't turn into a Connor Clifford Ooh. or an Anthony Stokes. You don't want to be coming home to the League of Ireland, playing at Oriel Park after playing for Chelsea. Yeah. Getting absolutely slaughtered in the corner of Oriel Park by Gary Parsons, <laughs> calling you an absolute failure. That wasn't me. That's not what you want. <laughs> oh God. Um. Yeah. So it's going to be Ghent and West Ham in the conference quarterfinals. Probably should be going to London. 
should be going to London. Yeah, I might watch that game actually. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because um, Kuipers, Kuipers is there. They've got mm. this new Nigerian dude. He's eighteen, scoring for fun. Is that the guy who scored three goals in three minutes? Yes, he's only a kid, so they they snapped him up from a different league. I can't remember which one, but he's only a kid. Uh, Danny Nord on Twitter um, tweeted out this after Brighton hammered Grimsby in the FA Cup. Evan Ferguson is a boss. See you next Tuesday. Love it. Love it from Danny. Um, big news as well, Gar. A BBC commentator. Uh, now that they're all back again after the Gary Lineker uh, protest. And the Man City Burnley match, he used the word tonking. <laughs> he did, did not. He said the word tonking. Tonking is our word, bro. We've made it. Academy results the Rovers under 19s on 4 0 at Bray. The 17s are beating 3 2 in Sligo. The women's 19s ran out five winners against Athlone or the Roadstone. And the women's 17s got a 1 0 win away to Finn Harps. Very, very shrewd win that one, Prof. 1 0 up to Finn Harps. Always a tough place to go to. Yeah, hat trick for Keane Curtis there in the men's 19s. Uh, is also, that the brother of Sam? I think it is, yeah. I think it is. Um, also, do you remember the 19s were beaten uh, pretty comfortably by AZ Alkmaar? Yes, 7 then um, I think it was. And then 3 at home, maybe. Was it the home leg was close enough? I think it was a 1-0 yeah, yeah, defeat, yeah. but the away leg but was, was a heavy tonking, defeat. Yeah. To put that into perspective... Their performances since then. Um, Prof has stats on under 19's Dutch football. Yes, they beat some club. I can't even don't even know where that looks like. Maybe Czech, but they got through them on penalties. But then after that, they beat Eintracht Frankfurt five nil. I can imagine they have decent set up. The Barcelona under 19's three nil, and Real Madrid four nil. So they're all right. They're not bad. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a good team. Um, yes, so congratulations to SRFC Academy under 15 players. Props having a having a, a great time putting these ones in. Oh, I'm going to enjoy this. Alex Noonan, Oshin McDonough, Mohamed Oladidi, Adi Solanke, Goodness Ogbonna, Charles, Akin Rintoyo and Brody Lee. Yeah, I thought you were going to slip up there, didn't you, Prof? So a uh, uh, serious amount of players in there, all of whom have been included in the Ireland squad for the 15 international games against Latvia. So, um that's superb man that's a lot of players the Republic of Rovers uh, congrats to the SRFC women's under 17s players Aoife Fleming Aoife Kelly and Ruby Gallagher all of whom have been called up for international duty as well for a very important round 2 qualifying games against the for the women's under 17s championship as well Perfect. yeah lots of call ups 5 players called up to the Ireland women's under 16s training camp this yeah. week as well so listen we are flying here and uh, we have probably the, the news that shocked me most since I'm following Rovers, um, it's it's hard to believe, but Tommy Kelly has stepped away from managing Glenn Malore at the height, the height of their success. Possibly they're going for a cup, going for leagues, and work commitments has taken them away from Glenn Malore Rovers. And this story actually broke on Sky uh, just a few hours ago as we record here, and luckily we managed to get a clip yeah. off the TV so so we caught up with Melissa Reddy and Darmachette it was uh, about about three years ago so here it is now we do have some news coming out of the Glen Malore Rovers training ground over to you Darmesh thank you Melissa and we do have some breaking news coming from the den which is located in Walkins Town Park now 
long-standing manager, founder of the club, Tommy Kelly, has stepped down as manager to focus on family and other business. Now, this has come as a shock to the Glemelow players, but we do have some strong candidates in the mix. First, an odds-on favourite to take up the post is Jay Maloney. Now, Jay Maloney has come under some scrutiny in the past where he was recently described in the mail on Sunday as an egg with matchsticks coming out as his legs and arms. Now, though his physique should not be an issue for the Den and Glenmalore outfit, we do think he can bring a lot to the team. Now, my sources have told me that Tommy Kelly ripped a baron off the wall of the training ground upon leaving the training ground. Now, my sources tell me these are from old friends from times gone by. Now, Jay Maloney will be in Glenmalore next week and at the training ground for interviews. Now, I can only keep you posted when I get the news back. However, Jay Maloney, odds on favourite for Glen Malore Rovers. So we have um, <laughs> Maloney in Matchstick Maloney <laughs> in the running. What a description. Oh my, oh my God. God. I was listening and I was like, what are they going to say? And he's like, yes, and he has been caught up in some trouble lately. It's been described as an egg with mad six on both sides. <laughs> the Melissa Reddy one was, the, was brilliant. I know. It was just, Melissa was just deliberately bad. Yeah. Whereas your man was just bang on. So brilliant stuff. Um, yeah. It's sad to see because they're, they're doing well. They're doing well. So um, they actually are on the lookout for a manager. So if you have any coaching credentials... You think you can take Glemelore to a league title to their former glory? Uh, Jesus, let us know. Have they fallen a bit adrift in the league title? Possibly, was that the word, yeah? Big cup quarter final coming up on Saturday. Uh, Carl Kearns has reeled himself out of the running. Uh, just that's the latest in the bookies odds Carl Kearns has the badges he Carl was 11-1 Carl Kearns who is, is banned now from Tada actually because he's been to one game this year and it's the one game we lost. Yep. And I'm getting grief. I don't get yeah. grief. He can tell you what he kept that one quiet. Carol Kearns is banned. We're gonna cut up Owen Walsh's members' ticket. Yeah. We're gonna bring back Joey O'Brien. Yeah. Bring back the clean sheets. Bring back the clean sheets. Joey clean sheets O'Brien. Um. Yeah. So prof. Now. Yeah. Like you said, if you actually genuinely are interested in coaching a good group of lads who hard working, Walkinstown Park Saturdays, go out of Rovers, lads. Anyone out there with a bit of knowledge or a bit of, a bit of who looks a challenge. Let's say Glenmore Rovers get in touch. But next up, prof, we have Tuesday trivia. So it's officially out. Yeah, no, it is officially out. I'll get it up here on uh, Twitter. Well, Mark Turner has risen from the dead to perform this one as well. Didn't hear from him all week, and then out of nowhere, Turner turns up with a solid eighty percent. I think maybe. So it's that, that time of the well, week. That's what he always gets eighty percent. Yeah, that time of the week. It's Tuesday trivia. Two minutes, prof. I was going to make a comment on what I believe to be the difficulty of this quiz, but I'll just let you have at it. Oh, here we go. Okay. Okay. Right. I'm going to start. Get your timer up, prof. My timer's up. Right. Two I'm minutes. Ready. Play quiz. Here we go. Play. Go. True or false? Jack Bourne has scored more than 20 goals for overs. Oh, fuck. <sighs> false. 
Oh! <laughs> Named Jack's previous club before he joined Rovers in 2019. Oldham, Kilmarnock, Man City, Wigan, Kilmarnock. I remember the conversations. Yes, Kilmarnock. Jack netted a brace in Rovers' last win at Oriel Park. A 4 0 victory in 2020. Dave McMillan scored an own goal, but who got the other from the penalty spot? Dylan Watts, McAniff, Graham Bourke, Joey O'Brien, Dylan Watts. No! Aaron McAniff! Mm-hmm. Stephen O'Donnell scored a winning penalty in Belgrade in 2011 who was fouled for it you mean who dived for it prof <laughs> Stephen O'Donnell Kieran Kildove Carl Shepard Gary Twig Carl Shepard blatant dive Rovers last 3-3 three, three draws against which club in 2010 Sporting Fingal Dundalk Bowes UCD Sporting Fingal Lashons of Rain me and Pat Tutty Santry Santry with a lovely Roy- Stephen Royce goal and Rona Finn played for them and Zaid played for them Two, uh, which of these men played Rovers which of these men played in Rovers first game in Tallaght 13 of March 2009 so which of these was Sean O'Connor Dara wait 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 which of, them, which of these men played in Rovers first game so which one what am I picking played in only one of them played in the first okay. game Tada. Okay, uh, Sean O'Connor. No, in Birmingham. Which was who's the chairman of the club between 1998 and 2002? Kilcoyne, McNamara, Caldwell, Maguire, Tony Maguire. No, Joe Caldwell. I'm going to be crucified, probably. <laughs> Grainsburg, first cap royal in 2018, came against which country? USA, Poland, Oman, France. France. Yes. Uh, who was the only who's player to be called up to an Ireland squad in 22 years between Milltown and Tallaght? Pat Bourne, Richard Bourne, Noel Hunt, Stephen Gagan. Ooh. Mm, Pat Bourne. Trick. I knew it was a trick. <laughs> Which of these players was not capped by his country? Seconds. Which of these players was not capped by his country was the Rovers player? Samir Bouganum, Luke Demek, Amik Zoyed. No, Joey O'Donnell. That was a mistake. <laughs> but that was the answer though. Yeah. I, I pressed yeah. it by accident. And that's time. I, I pressed that but. Joey and Doe, yeah. Oh, there's some great questions there. That was tough. I thought it was a bit easier this week. That actually. was tough enough. No, that was tough. It was good, but it wasn't too tough. It wasn't ridiculous. Like, no, I enjoyed that one. So you got five, an accidental five, an accidental five. Yeah. Last week the slip of the thumb. Remember, you got one wrong. This week the slip <laughs> of the thumb was in your favour. <laughs> uh, so that was that. Anyway, but next up we have starting elevens and predictions. Yeah, it's, we're going to do it for the Dundalk game. Prof. This yeah, is, the game is not until Friday week, but I'm dreading this already. we're doing a show, uh, which we'll talk about at the end. Next week, it's going to be a separate show, so we're doing our 11s now. Right, I'm done scribbling. I'm done scribbling, Prof. I'm going to go... I think I'm going pretty, pretty much the same again. Manus, uh, Cleary, Pico, Hor. Faruja on the right, Trev on the left. Tell Gary O'Neill, I think they played well together. I'm going to go Bourne, Bourke and Gaff. I, I can't see much more I don't think we're going to change it up Did you, you know? consider the towel factor the towel factor um, is totally considered yeah he really he looks eager to score every time we play at Oriel Park isn't he yeah he will get one eventually yeah yeah can't really argue with that at all no there's not much more we can um, do unless you change it up totally style wise and system wise but I don't think we're going to do that you're talking about our best team our best 11 at the moment is can't get better than that really is this our best level? Possibly is, I think yeah. it is. It is. It is our best level. It depends Har- on, Harsh on, on preference, though, you know. Harsh on Grace, obviously. Harsh, very Harsh on Grace. When, yeah. when Marcus Poom comes back, definitely, I like what I've seen from Marcus Poom. I'm feeling Brad's Murray Star Watts up here, though. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Remember his late penalty winner? I'm going to go 2 uh, 1 win. In the wind and the rain. 
Well, we're just going to keep predicting a win this podcast every week, aren't we? Until we finally get the win. So that will be right. I'll say, yeah, three-one win. Three-one win, yeah. And um, like you said, so yeah, we do have a separate show, prof, and we'll 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 let you know about it soon enough. But um, next up, we have a very very it's a tearjerker. It's um, some great stories. It's gonna have you thinking about. Your parents is going to have you thinking about Rovers or any relationship that you had growing up in brought over turnstiles and putting crossbars and the usual. So yeah, up have up next we have In Memoriam. It's my dad. Yeah, so the format for this is going to be uh, every time we do this segment we're going to do six sons where one of them is an old one and five of them are new ones. So first person you're going to hear, you're going to hear a replay of Fikra's contribution to that episode where we should be dedicated to his dad. So this would have been Tifty's 169 back in August 2021. So then that leads into five new tributes, five different sons remembering their dads who got them into robbers. So what's the line of gear? Yeah, we have Mihalo Blolahan, a.k.a. Rennie, passed away in 2009. Brian Murphy, 2021. Charlie Maloney in 2021. Jim Conroy Sr. in 2020. James Palmer in 2008 and Jim McGlone in 2021. So some very, very uh, poignant and heartfelt clips coming up, Prof. So here we go. Fiacre O'Brillachan here, Michal's son. So as you heard there, my dad was a man with many different facets who kind of lived several different lives in different places. He was an Irish language activist, a published writer, an amateur historian, a stock trader, a passionate scuba diver, and of course, an avid supporter of Shamrock Rovers, and of course, later on, Eintracht Frankfurt. But to me, he was my dad. Mick, Rennie, Michal, he got into Rovers, not in Milltown, but in Southampton, where as a child he would follow Rovers through newspapers, radio, and even the odd televised cup final on Pate, which was on English telly in those days. So it must have been a dream come true for him, when he finally moved, when the family finally moved to Dublin, where you could see Rovers in the flesh. And so as soon as I was old enough, or before I was old enough really, I was brought in a buggy to the RDS, and I haven't stopped going since. My parents separated when I was only a baby. Um, so football, Rovers mainly, and later Eintracht, was our thing. I was brought to grounds all over Ireland and beyond and had some of my first cans on the Hoops SC listening to Michal and the rest of The View debate away. I was brought to Nuremberg and Unterhacking to see Eintracht but of course the main attraction was the time spent together. There's far too many Rovers related stories to tell so I'll pick one that many might not know. <laughs> when the Richmond Park riot happened in 2003 the one that got us kicked out of Richmond. I was only 12 at the time, and it was one of the first bowls matches I was allowed to go to. He had to get me back to my mum in one piece, or there wouldn't be many other. We were at the Emmett Road when the trouble kicked off, and uh, the bowls buses back to town were right in front of us. So he grabbed me, and both of us hopped on the bus, full of bowls fans, who were at that moment in the process of being bricked upstairs. There was a few suspicious looks and questions asked, but my dad just put an arm on my shoulder and said, we'll be grand here. And we were. We took the, what was left of that bus back to town without another word being said by our co-passengers. 
I don't need to say anything about his various contributions to rovers as they've all been said by others already, but it might interest people to know that it was scuba diving that led to the eventual birth of SRFC TV. Him and his girlfriend at the time, Sandra, were really into scuba diving and ended up being very qualified and experienced there. And he began filming underwater, kind of probably to justify going on so many dives. This is where he learned to edit film and actually filmed, edited, narrated and produced a Blue Planet style documentary for TG Carr, which sadly never aired. He was a perfectionist and any hobby of his quickly became a profession or an obsession. I have to say I'm blown away by the tributes people sent in and I want to thank Gary and Carl for choosing to do this segment on my dad. He obviously meant a lot to many people, shown most obviously by the legacy of the Rovers Eintracht friendship which continues today. I really believe one of the greatest gifts he left me as an 18 year old was the many amazing adults that I knew through him and that's shown in today's contributions. Thanks, folks. Sinead. How are you doing, lads? Um, thanks a million for asking me to talk about my dad, uh, Brian, uh, and his links with uh, Rovers down through the years and, and us going to the games together and stuff. And <clears throat> his background actually goes back to Dundalk. His father was a, from South Armagh and he was a bar manager in uh, Dundalk. Dad was one of the youngest in the family, so all his brothers were um, Dundalk fans. That, that was their local team, and they used to go to um, Oriel Park back in the days when the, the pitch was at a 90-degree angle to the way it is now. Um, and then when Dad was about three or four, the, his his father, my grandfather, uh, became a bar manager in a pub in on Aston Quay. So the whole family came down to Dublin. And the brothers used to go to Dundalk matches when they were playing, you know, in Dublin against Rovers and Bows and whatever. Um, and Dad started going to the games with them and he just fell in love with um, Milltown and with the, the green and white hoops, the Shamrock Rovers. So he became a Rovers fan when all his brothers were Dundalk fans. And um, so he started going to all the, the, the Rovers home matches. And this would have been like back in the 19. 19- 30s. He had very clear memories of players in the 30s and 40s. Um, real, I suppose those ones are be kind of deep in your memory. Um, through the Colts, Colts and the FAI Cup wins in the 60s when they did the six in a row. And there was a bit of a gap in the 1950s because he lived in uh, New York. He went over and got married in New York and uh, was there for a few years. But they eventually came back to. Ireland and my mother says it was because of the weather in New York they had no air conditioning in those days and it was just too hot during the summer but I think actually getting back to see um, Shamrock Rovers was a big part of it for dad as well and then um, in the early 70s we started going myself and dad and my late brother Kieran uh, in the early 1970s um, started going to the games in Milltown and it wasn't a great time for Rovers actually the crowds were quite small then and um, the team wasn't playing particularly well. I don't think the Kilcoins made a huge effort to really promote the club. When you look at the work that's been done at all the clubs around the league nowadays, uh, they hardly lifted a finger, really. Um, maybe they already had their thoughts of making money from the ground and it didn't matter. But And the other thing, I think around that time, the big match started on ITV. So you had match of the day on Saturday night, the big match with Brian Moore on a Sunday lunchtime. And I think that started to affect the crowds at League of Ireland matches as well because, I mean, live football was 
didn't happen in those days except for the cup final um so that game on a sunday afternoon was really attractive to tv viewers and and it did definitely take away i think from the league of ireland where no effort was made to to kind of improve the grounds or make the experience better for fans so um but anyway we were going along to the games in the 70s and then Kieran died at the age of 16 uh, in 1974 in a, a road accident and um that was obviously a terrible time but um after that it was just myself and my dad i do have sisters but they didn't come to i, th- I think it was generational thing i mean when you look around tala nowadays and you see so many women and young girls and families and it's just absolutely it i it fills my heart with joy but in those days really um not too many uh young girls were going to games in the the 1970s and i'm sure he probably asked them if they wanted to come but maybe the girls themselves felt it wasn't something that girls should be doing then i i don't know i must talk to them about it actually but anyway so it was just me and dad and so we'd be going uh to all the home games in milltown and 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 then we were going to every away match as well like every away match um, so it was kind of our Sunday religion and um, there was a little bit of joy around that time after that and the, when they won the cup in 78 under Johnny Giles um, that was brilliant and uh, they went through to the cup winners cup final or the cup winners cup <laughs> I wish they'd got to the cup winners cup final they, they went into the cup winners cup and they got drawn against Banik Ostrava from Czechoslovakia as it was at the time and there was a draw in Milltown for two people to to go with the team and and um whoever won the draw couldn't go for one reason or another at the last minute and um i don't know whether there was a second name pulled out in case or whether louis kilcoyne just said to dad listen you guys come because i was in school and there was a knock on the door and it was i actually thought it was going to be bad news but it was uh you're going to czechoslovakia you know hurry up uh, so we had an amazing trip to Ostrava, which was a, at that time in the late 70s, really interesting place to, to go, you know, under communist rule. And we had people following us around all the time and stuff. And we had great travels as well. We went to Honved for the, uh, well, Budapest for the match against Honved in the 80s. We were um, some of the few Rovers fans in Belfast as well for the Linfield match, the famous one where Dermot Keeley kicked the guy in the balls and the other guy got sent off. Um, but that was a very controversial one because Linfield wouldn't allow Rovers fans and I think Louis Kilcoyne had agreed to that and the Rovers um, supporters were quite rightly very uh, miffed with that whole situation. Um, but because uh, Dad was kind of friendly with Louis at the time, we managed to get two tickets and we were sitting in the middle of the Linfield fans in the main stand so we had to keep stum. but it was at least we were there, which was great. Um and I think it was through that friendship with Louis that Dad had this um, idea, or he put the idea to Louis that they should do this patrons at Milltown, which I suppose is kind of similar to members nowadays. You know, we had, um, you sat in the middle of the stand and they had cushions on the seats and you had the little bar, the upstairs bar available to the patrons and it was nice. And uh, we used to sit in behind the RTE commentary position, you know, George Hamilton and Phil Green, Gabriel Egan doing the radio stuff from there as well. And when Phil was doing his last ever match, the RTE cameras were there to capture it and he waved to the cameras and myself and dad are kind of sitting a couple of rows behind him. I think it's one of the, perhaps the only picture of me and dad in Milltown. 
uh, in those days. So it's nice to have that. And, and there were good times. Obviously, the four in a row years at Milltown were incredible. But um, I suppose, in a way, the proudest I am of him is around the, the bad news time when the, the move from Milltown was mooted and um, he was very keen on the boycott outside Tolka. You know, he came from a union background and uh, I know he never spoke to Louis Kilcoyne ever again. Um, Jimmy Keane, I remember, called out to his house one night and the idea for Cram was hatched and, and they did everything they could to save Milltown. There are a few clips on RTE News from various reports down through the Cram years and it's, it's really nice to have them as well because he's interviewed in a couple of them and um, just nice nice to have those memories, even if it is of a, a really, really tough time for for everybody involved in the club. Um, and then when John McNamara took over, uh, it, during that era, uh, Dad joined the board of directors and he came from a kind of a marketing, advertising um, background. So he had a few ideas. Um, that sellout game for the first match in the RDS, um, he gave them some good advice, I think, in terms of how to, to sell it as an occasion. And uh, he had actually made an, a, a presentation to the FAI in the very early 70s at his own expense about the benefits of summer soccer and I think when it did eventually happen was it about 20 years later 25 years later he was very happy that they finally made that uh, leap and I mean he there were good days as well like the RDS that league win under Ray Tracy um, he was a big fan of Ray Tracy he really liked Ray and uh, I remember he got me a T-shirt um, after the on the Monday after they had won the league. Um, it was the front page of the Irish Times of Peter Eccles with the trophy in his hands on the front of that T-shirt. And I still have that in the drawer. Um, but he uh, the, the one he, he did feel a bit let down by some players who'd been sort of rejuvenated by Ray Tracy, who quit Rovers for bigger money elsewhere. And that left a bit of a sour taste. And then as he got old, he couldn't really go to the games. Um, I think he liked the fact that I was presenting MNS on RTE and doing the League of Ireland stuff on the radio. And like the first thing we always talked about was Rovers. And, you know, um, he, he followed from a distance even though he couldn't actually go to the games. He did get to one game in Tala. I was really pleased he got to Tala. It was a game against Sporting Fingal in 2010, which actually Sporting Fingal won. Um, but Rovers went on to win the league under Michael O'Neill, so he sort of had the last laugh. And then when he died in September of 2021, uh, Rovers were on top of the league when he died uh, and on their way to another league title. So um, that made him happy um, in his latter years and latter days even. And, uh, you know, he was a Rovers fan from the 1930s to the 2020s. So it's 10 different decades. It was in his blood and the memories I have from that time that we spent together are really special. I heard Gary talking about going to Ghent with his kids uh, earlier, you know, in, uh, when that happened, uh, several editions ago. And he was talking about the special memories. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of special memories of going to matches with dad down through the years. And I feel sorry for the kids who are going to the pub on a Sunday afternoon in their Liverpool or Manchester United jerseys and maybe the odd trip to the UK because they'll never match uh, the thought of going to a real match and supporting their local team. So thanks a million to my dad, Brian Murphy, for giving me the love and the gift of League of Ireland football and Shamrock Rovers down through the years. It's something I'll always cherish and uh, I know he cherished Shamrock Rovers as well to his dying day. Hi lads, Jason Maloney here. Thanks for um, asking me to contribute this piece um, for the podcast uh, about me, me late dad, uh, Charlie Maloney. 
Yeah, obviously, my dad introduced me to the game of football. Um, brought me to Rovers games in the in the seventies, mid to late seventies. Remember in Milltown, I was very young. Um, funny, the first first game I ever really realised being, uh, you know, you get this thing, you walk into a ground, you see the floodlights. It was actually at Daddy Mill Park. Uh, Rovers played the Man United nineteen sixty eight winning team in nineteen seventy uh, in nineteen seventy seven at Daddy Mount. I think I remember Rovers won the game three two. But it was that kind of game that I walked up, seen the floodlights, walked out and felt a bit of atmosphere. Um, I think he wanted to bring me that day, he helped me to see George Best, but typically the Georgie Best, in those days, Georgie didn't show up. Um, yeah, sure, of course, at Rovers, we had our own Georgie Best and, and the guys of Frank O'Neill. I mean, Dad often talked about him as being his, his favourite player when he started going to Rovers in the early days. Yeah, I was brought to Milton, I remember going to Lansdowne for the Orton Games, the late 70s. Games against England and Northern Ireland. Um, but um, again, one of my earliest memories of Rovers was my dad bringing me to Daily Mount again, funny enough, when we won the 1978 FAA Cup against Sligo Rovers. I don't remember the infamous Ray Tracy penalty, but I do remember being at the game and it being a lashing rain. Yeah, so I used to, not early memories of my dad was a footballer in the house, so I used to sneak downstairs. Be a skill night Wednesday. I used to love watching sports night every Wednesday night. Obviously, I was still a, a young kid and I was up for school the next day. And I tried to sneak down halfway down the stairs to look over the banisters to watch the games. And the trick was to try and keep quiet. My dad didn't catch me. But, but often, most weeks he did. And I was back to school, up early in the morning. Back to bed, sorry. I was up early in the morning. Um, so then, around the time of the four in a row, I started being able to go to Milltown on my own. I was 13. Then I started going to Milltown regularly on my own. Every week, and a lot after me, telling that a lot of fans like my dad. My dad became a laps fan, really, and he didn't. Um, he didn't. He didn't go. You know, through the period of winter years, he didn't really go to the games. So in two thousand nine, we moved to Tala, and it was just as a one-off Father's gift, Father's Day gift. My dad, and uh, me and my brother, we said we bought him a present. We brought him a trip to the Glenmore Suite, and you know the experience and the Glenmore Suite. You used to pay in, and you get tokens to get your beer, to get the drink in the ground. We brought him to the Newcastle United game. And you know, from then he just really reinvigorated the for hours. And from that week on, every week he was at the games, home and away. Um, he used to travel us on the on the Bally Farm, on the Ballyard bus as we call it. We used to have a sixteen seater bus, a few lads from Ballyard, and we go home. We go home and away every week. And he really loved it. He was never really an away day fan all his life, but from that moment then, in two thousand nine, he went home and away for years and years, and he loved it. He was out in Bray when uh, we won the league. The 16th league title, and he was at like every every home and away game. Then he going to the games of Tallet. He used to love sitting in the same seat. He used to sit just to the left of the Glenmore Suite, had his own little seat, and he was happy there every week. Um, it was good for me and my brother to have to reconnect with me that kind of then because my dad suffered a lot of health scares in his life. He was a uh, he lost his voice box with cancer in his early 40s and he had some mobility issues. Mobility issues, so it was grand for him to be able to go to Rovers games and we go to him every week. So I was glad to reconnect with him like that. Um, obviously we had a lot of success in the early days there in Tala. Uh, before we had a, quite a few year, barren years. And my dad was a bit of a conspiracy theorist. And he always thought to me that Stephen Kenny deliberately came to Rovers to sabotage our progress and hamper our success. That's the way he was thinking. But uh, so we had obvious success then. I haven't been at the first, my first cup final watching Rovers with my dad in 78. It was great to be with him in uh, 2019 when we beat Dundalk. And he brought me, me late, me late man to the, the game that day as well. And they both really had a great day out, you know, the trails of the, the penalty shootout. 
COVID came along then, okay, um, so obviously my dad couldn't, uh, we don't know, we could go to games for a while. I remember the, the last game he was at, the last game, Atala was the 3-2 win against Dundalk, um, when Jack scored that cracking goal. Um, it was probably good that he was there, because it was kind of, most people say that was like the swing for Rovers, taking over from that Dundalk side. Looking back now, we, we all maybe thought it on the night, but in hindsight, you look back, that was the game where Rovers really took over. The mantle, you know, it was a top team in Ireland from, from Dundalk. From from that moment on, um, so during COVID, then um, luckily LOA TV came along, so I was able to watch a lot of the games with my dad in the house, bring the fire stick, and then we 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 hook it up. Um, my dad watching football games at telly, he always had a habit of he them um, he clap incessantly when a goal went in, and he was causing a few problems. And if I was watching a, a match in a different part of the house, and TV's rather than sync, you know there's a goal in the game. If my dad clapped. You know, downstairs, you know, you're going to ruin it, you know, there's a goal coming. But we had to watch a good few games. We're always saying, I remember the last game was against, um, when Danny Mandrew scored that late winner against Pats in Richmond. That was a great moment, you know. And um, my dad, then, he unfortunately passed away just the week before we clinched our 20 league title against Finn Harps. And I was absolutely delighted when, and honour of the tribute that the, the club um, gave him that day with the, with the minute. The minutes applause before the game, and obviously the team was and yeah, the team game, you know, paid a great tribute on the pitch with winning the game, and so, so, you know secured the title for us. Um, the club also were brilliant on the day. Me dad, Sean, and lots like Stephen Bradley, and the staff for what they did for him on that day as well. Yeah, it's me dad not going to games now. It's like you know, I said it was great to be able to reconnect over the years with him. Um, he really loved loved Rovers and going to the games, and now he's. It's going to be sad he had can't see his grandson now, Charlie, his namesake Charlie, is going to the games now, seven-year-old, and he loved that he's had to catch the same book for hours and he dad did. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Jim Conroy Jr. here. Thanks to Gary and Carr for this opportunity to pay tribute on behalf of the Conroy family to our late dad, Jim Conroy Sr., our old Jim, as we used to call him. Old Jim was born, he was born in 1930. He was our typical hard-working Northside dub. He left school at 12 or 13 and went straight into the workforce. He first worked in the gay theatre and meanwhile he educated himself because the, the education system wasn't very good to him, but he educated himself. He always said the nicest person he met there was actor and ukulele player George Formby. A 10-bob note a 10 bob tip from George around 1945 was much appreciated. He later worked at the Carlton Cinema for, for many years, which is where he, he met he met me, Ma, Mary. He, he met Mary in, in the Carlton. He also remembers dealing with Joe and Mary Jane Cunningham, who, who were the owners of Shamrock Rovers, when they went to the, the, the pictures in the Carlton. The, this, the cinema was really, really huge. Very huge thing in the in, 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 in at that time. He later worked in, in many jobs before 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 ending up in IDA Ireland, where he, where he worked for about thirty five very happy years. He's an interesting guy, alright. He, he had he had TB in in, in nineteen sixty six and had a, a kidney removed. And he, he, he recovered so well that, 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 that he jumped into the Liffey the following year and rescued a fella who was drowned. And, and he even made the papers over that, you know. So he, 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 recovered, he recovered quite well. 
like he, he had like he had doc, great admiration for Dr. Noel Brown, who, who did so much to, to, to virtually eradicate TB in this country. It was it, it was a huge it was a huge problem back in the day. His great loves in life were his family, number one, followed by Rovers and the Dubs. Well, the Dubs up to up to the Thomas Davis affair, which which uh, which which soured everything there. Uh, that, that that was disgraceful behaviour by by the Dublin County Board and Thomas Davis. So, but 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 Rovers and the Dubs, they, they, they were they were his teams, and of course he, he he used to bring us to all the games when we were kids and all that. You know, he also enjoyed running running and swimming. He was a very good swimmer, as I as I kind of <laughs> mentioned earlier, and he, uh, he 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 ran marathons and all that. He loved running marathons. He he ran he ran six and all. He also his other enjoyments where he enjoyed a cigar and and a few a few points of Guinness. Yeah, two two of his biggest uh, wishes in life. Well, he, he two big wishes I used to find. He used to be awesome. Number one, every year he used to wish that a pissed rain all day on the twelfth of July. <laughs> I'll leave that where it is. Number two, that Rovers beat Bowles. He he he, he was he was um, he's not a man to usually hold a grudge, but uh, but but the Bohemian Football Club was a different matter altogether. He would be very tense the week of a Bowles game, win win, and there'd be no stopping him. He'd be celebrate for a week, lose, and he'd be miserable for a few days. Oh God! I remember because Mick would ring me. Mick, Mick would ring me, the older brother. Mick, he'd ring me just to, just to say, "Is is the dad okay if we lost the balls?" You know. <laughs> but it's it's ah, it's, we used to the poor man. He 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 wasn't too fond of the balls at all. You know. But as I said, he wasn't really wanted to to carry grudges. You know. He he loved the social side of the League of Ireland. He and Big Deck were, were were great friends, and the Sligo trips were especially memorable when them two were involved. They always enjoyed their their coffees. They drink loads of coffee. They always they always make sure that they, they, they did loads of coffee with them, and of course with, with, with generous amounts of whiskey added. And sure, the train used to take hours to get to Sligo in them days, and they'd be well on before they get to the showgrounds. He, in fact, he, he loved all the away trips. He, he, as I say, the social side was, was a big thing in his life. He also, Tala, he, he lived to see Tala, and he enjoyed, he enjoyed, he enjoyed a few years in Tala, and he, he, and his visits there, like he'd be at the games with Big Deck and my late brother John, or our late brother John, and, and they're greatly treasured memories that we have now. Now, when Rose played for Harps, Remember after the after the cover break, remember the, the fans went allowed into the ground. We played for halves in June twenty twenty one. Robert Coggins, who old Jim was very fond of, had a lovely remembering them feature for those who died during COVID. It was nice to see his name listed among other great Rovers people, including Big Deck. Old Jim loved Rovers and loved the League of Ireland. He will always be an inspiration to us. Keep on hooping, Jim Jr. On behalf of the Conroy family, thank you. How are you, lads? Uh, Terry Palmer here. Um, just want to do a few quick words just on my dad, James Palmer or Jimmy Palmer, Jim Palmer as he was known to some. Uh, big Rovers supporter from an early age. He born and raised in Kimmage. So Milltown wasn't too far away in 1929. So 
he he went to Milltown from an early age with his brothers. One of the stories he 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 told me was of um, the thousands and thousands of bikes that would be outside, and how they ever found their owners afterwards. There'd be so many of them. Uh, I suppose they weren't even locked, just lying, lying around, and whoever came out, got your bike and headed off. Uh, so we always big Rover supporter, and we actually we came across letters only in the last week. So after he left school, so it was after the war, so probably 1948, 49, maybe a little earlier, he was actually in North Africa, um, uh, and in, in Malta as well for a while, and he wrote, wrote home to the parents, and I'll make, ask him, was everyone all right, but really inquiring about Rovers, and how they were getting on, and how the, the new season was going to pan out. Um, so always big into Rovers and his team was that Paddy Cole team uh, he always spoke he, he, even up to before he died that was the team uh, and he went through them and all the lovely players I think Frank O'Neill was his favourite but the, that was the that was his Rovers team um, they won the six in a row and the, the cups and that sort of stuff uh, but he he was uh, yeah big fan of those then later in life he moved to Rohini, uh, that's where I was I was born. And we used to used to go over to Milltown obviously every second week. Uh went to some of the away games, but certainly not not in the country, but we went over to Milltown and it was a routine. Like my mum had a sister in Rathfarnham, so she'd drive up, over, drop us off. We'd we we'd go in, I'd hop over the turnstiles as you did back then, and we'd go behind the fire goal or into the little stand, watch the game. And then go down to the dropping well, and he'd have a couple of points, and we'd be picked up from there and brought home. Um, so that was that was they were the Milltown years. Um, yeah, obviously, obviously some very good years. Uh, that's the team I remember, the the four in a row team. Uh, some good years. Then things went a bit bleak. Um, so I suppose we go on a bit until he he was delighted when. Um, when I signed signed for Rovers, and it probably coincided with him retiring as well, so we had a lot of time on his hands, and uh, he got to he got to travel around the country and around Europe supporting the team. So originally he would have been with, with Mam, but then he got in with the supporters, the the hoop supporters bus, um, and they looked after him or led him astray, whatever way you want to put it. Uh, it's like the big deck and Jimmy Conroy. Um, they were good to him. He never had a bad word to say about anyone. Even if he was told told a story, he wouldn't believe it. That uh, they were all good lads, and nothing nothing bad had to be said about them or could be said about them. Uh, some good times then, uh, traveling around the country. As I said, there was a story in Finn Park. Uh, the bus was pulling off up in um, up in Donegal, and he was seen chasing the bus wouldn't wait and he was saying chasing with his bag of chips after the bus down the main street of Bally Buffet but he caught that all right and then some great trips in Europe the the one that's probably remembered the most is the one to Audra in Poland um now what went on we didn't, we'll never know well obviously some some will but they're sworn to secrecy but he seemed to have a great time uh the the following following t- tie to Slovan Libra he wasn't allowed uh, he wasn't allowed uh, going his own, so mum went with him and, and looked after him. Um, so he was, uh, yeah. When I ro- played with Rovers and then captained him, he was he was very proud. Uh, and uh, 
yeah, Rovers fan from yeah, early as soon as he was born till when he died, and he never got to see them play in Tallaght, which was a shame. Um, wasn't far off it, but never got to see them play in Tallaght, and obviously just success since then. But uh, he'd be looking down now, hoping the new season kick gets going and uh, get right back up the table where where we deserve. So thanks very much. Bye. Hiya lads, this is Kevin McGlone here and delighted to be given a chance on this section, the In Memoriam section, just to say a few words about my dad and my football relationship and my, my relationship with my dad. Um, we got up in the start, my dad was born, he was born in Dublin in 1939 and I think he lived in Drum originally and then they moved out to Sandy Cove and Dock, even my granddad had a butcher shop out there and I think my dad in the early... I think it was in the early 60s, so he would have been in his early 20s. He went over to London to work over in London, and he was football mad even then. He was a Rovers fan since since the early 50s. I think his uncle, his uncle started bringing him into Milltown then. Um, he talks about the 1955 FAI Cup final. One of his, his the, the first big memories that he had, that was the one where Rovers were 2-0 down with 10 minutes to go, playing against one of the Cork teams, and they came back to win 3-2. So he always... That was one of his big matches he's always talked about over the years. When he went to London in the 60s, he used to go, he lived in North London somewhere and he used to go to sports one week and Arsenal the next week, whichever team was at home, he'd go to one of their games because the football was just all he knew. Um, <clears throat> he worked in town then, he worked when he came back then, we moved out to Ballybracken, that's where we lived ever since. He, he worked in town in the IMP in Grand Canal Street, the International Meat Producers, and he was working there I think from up until the kind of the, I think it was the 80s when it closed down. It's gone now. It's just big apartment blocks now. It's gone now. But, um, <clears throat> I mean, he's been a Rovers fan, as I said, since the 50s and goes religiously week in, week out. My air football relationship probably started, I was born in 69, so probably started in the early 70s. And he, I think he brought me to Rovers around 73 because I remember certain things at games in Milltown. I remember managers coming off. I remember seeing Pat Dunn playing and Sean Thomas was a manager, you know, things like that. I mean, I was there for the Giles era and, you know, that's my first big memories was, you know, the Johnny Giles thing, all that era then. Um, with my dad, we used to go to um, any internationals that were on in, in Dublin, you know, in Lansdowne Road and all. My dad would bring me into them and I used to have to, I used to have to get the train in from Kalini and get off at Pier Street and walk up to me there. I got off in Lansdowne Road and walk up to me there on Grand Canal Street and meet him and all. And like, I was only a kid, only about seven, eight, nine years of age, but it was brilliant all the excitement of going to games. Um, a lot of the internationals in Lansdowne Road, he used to, we used to get in early and we used to go back at the back of the West Stand and you see the players. I remember one time against England, Ireland were playing England, and you know the likes of Kevin Keegan and Mick Shannon and all were getting off the bus and it was just, for a young lad my age, it was magical to see all these players. He always as well, he always managed to get programmes for matches for me, the, the European Cup finals of, you know, 78 and 79. And I always remember them, I still have them at home. And I don't know where, he used to get them in town somewhere, but it was, um, that, he just loved getting them and I loved getting them off him as well. I remember we went to London on on holidays in 80, 82, I think 81, 82, and it was during the summer. And so me and my dad went off one day, made a trip of all the grounds around London, we were in QPR, we were in Spurs, Wembley, and even at Wembley there was nothing going on at the time there was no games going on it was the middle of summer but we managed to get in and he managed to I walked up to the um, the Royal Box where he got the trophy 
I mean, that has old Cine 8 camera footage of it, you know, so it was it was fun, you know, we look back over the years. He was also the manager of my schoolboy team from under 7 to under 15s, so I was well used to having him there. A lot of the, the fellas who played football we used to hate having their parents at matches, they used to, you know, the, the pressure for them, but I used to be so used to it because my dad was... Uh, he was the manager of our team for years and he was he used to love wingers. Wingers was a big thing. And even till, till he passed away, wingers was a big thing. He always used to say, we should be playing, even in Tala, we should be playing wingers. You know, they just, teams can't cope with wingers. So we always played with two wingers and we were a very successful schoolboy team. Things I remember from Milltown with him was um, he used to go in for a drink either at halftime or after the game to the members bar, which is up the back stairs of Milltown, and there'd be ex-players and international players there and all. So we used to love that. Um, we used to, going from Ballybrack into Milltown, the games were always on at three o'clock, so we had a car, so we'd always drive in. But in the summer or in the winter, because we had the floodlights in the early years, the games were on at quarter past two. So my mum used to be going mad because we used to have to head off around quarter past one or one o'clock to head into the game. So it would ruin the whole day, dinner-wise and everything like that. So I always remember my mother giving out to us over that. We didn't go to huge amounts of away games. We always went to the games, any of the games in Dublin. But I remember one specifically we went to in 83 down in Galway when we beat. And we went down on one of the supporters clubs buses from town and we beat Galway 3-1. That was great. I always remember that with him. That was a great day. Um, in 87, the Sligo game, when the last game in Milltown, I was on the pitch that day carrying the flag with Sean McNulty and a couple of other lads. And I remember going up to my dad and keeping him informed of what was going on. And even for the games after that, then we were kind of, while well, the protests were going on, he used to like me to keep him informed of everything that was happening. Um, for a couple of years, 92, 94, I worked in Belgium and Holland over there and so I didn't get to see Rovers at all but my dad used to send over the papers the back pages out of the likes of the Irish press and all and he'd send them on to Sunday all the, the Rovers information and he'd wrap them up in one of those long tubes you know that you have mechanical drawing papers in and he'd post them over to me and I'd get one every second week they'd come over so because there was no internet then so that was how I kept up to date with all stuff like that I think he got as much pleasure out of sending them over to me as I got to, to actually getting them when we got to Tala he loved it he, he it was really because of, of the years wandering around after Milltown, you know, and I was at a good age then where we enjoyed, really enjoyed going to the games together. He made some very good friends in with Rovers that he'd had over the years, but he used to go to a lot of matches with them, Kevin Kevin Downs, Peter Heron, Joe Barnes, and the lads travelled away a lot together. They went to a lot of the European matches away, and I went to a lot of them as well, so it was great to be able to sit down with my dad over in the likes of Estonia and London, and we were in modern in the rain and all, and you're just sitting there having a point. And I don't think people appreciate it as much when it's going on. But when you look back on it and you think, you know, they were really good times. And as you can sit there with your dad and having a point and having a chat about the games, even friends have said to me that they were kind of not jealous, but they were envious of the relationship that I had with my dad because of Rovers and because of football, where, you know, a lot of fellas, they, you kind of lose a bit of touch with your with your parents, with your you know your father. You know you don't have so much many things to talk about. But with myself and my dad, the Rovers thing was um, it was very good. You know, we kind of had a routine, a ritual, in the last say ten or fifteen years or so. I mean, my dad like during the games in in Tala at half time, I wouldn't say always sit with him. He'd sit with his mates. I'd sit with mine. So at half time, I used to always come up to him for a chat. We'd have a chat about the game, how it was going, what we thought of it. And then after the game, we wouldn't have travelled in together. But after the game, then I'd give him a call about 45 minutes because I know he'd be home then. And we'd have a quick chat about it then. And then the next morning, usually the Saturday morning, we'd have the post-mortem in the house where I'd pop in 
he'd have the papers, I'd bring another couple of papers and we'd sit there and we'd have a coffee, something to eat and um, we'd just talk about the whole, you know, the game, what went on the night before. He was terrible in the off-season, literally the season we finished about two days and he'd be ringing me saying, well, any news, any news and any transfers or anything like that, you know, and I might have only spoken to him the day before, so he was funny like that, you know. Um, my dad passed away in August in 2021. It was during COVID, so it was a bit of a shame that his last couple of years following the hoops, we had to kind of watch a lot of the games on TV. Now, in fairness to Rovers, when my dad wasn't well for the last year, they were very good and we got into a few games where there was very, very limited numbers in. So he was delighted with that, you know. But his health had deteriorated and he wasn't really able for it. He had to bring special cushions for him to sit on and everything like that, you know. And he didn't like people seeing him like that. Um. He passed away in August in 21 and the day before his funeral, he was laid out in the home. We had him back in the house for a couple of days. So he was laid out in the sitting room and he had his, you know, he had a suit on and he had his Rover's, his Rover's scarf, his Rover's member's scarf and his Rover's tie. And I sat there with him and we watched the Longford game and the club, in fairness, Mark Lynch and the club got on to me and they held a minute's applause for him before the game. <laughs> it, was very, it was very emotional, I have to say. But because um, we were sitting there with me dad, you know, laid out and that was it. But he, he would have loved that, you know, he would have loved that, you know, he really would. Um, going to games, it isn't the same anymore for me. I miss the chats, I miss the phone calls and sometimes the arguments that we had over things. But I wouldn't change one bit of the life that we had together following Rovers and the brilliant times that we've had over the years. So um, his memory... His memory will always live on with me. And I think a lot of people at Rovers know him too. So his memory will always live on. And just say, thanks, Dad, for everything you gave me. Cheers, lads. Bye. Yeah, so you just heard Fikra, SRFC TV commentator, Con Morphy, Jason Maloney, Jim Conroy, former Rovers defender, Terry Palmer and Kevin McGlone. Um Fikra's description of his dad is like something you'd put on your Twitter handle. Skydiver. Yeah. Or, not skydiver, scuba diver. Like all those like stockbroker like yeah we should point out that at the by the time Fieger comes in at the end there's been all these different contributions from friends so they've kind of covered everything so he came in he approached that as what else can I say about him yeah from a different angle whereas the other five I just threw to them and I said how do you want to remember your dad I said obviously put in some robber stuff mm Said, so give us some background on his work and life. Khan's one is yeah. like um, an action movie. He's been grabbed from the clutches of Dundalk. How I don't know how this happened, but his he, he <laughs> should be a Dundalk fan realistically. Yeah. Like how I always wondered about the dynamic. I know one or two people who have one's a Bowles fan, one's a Rovers fan, and they're brothers. I just can't imagine it. And sometimes your son might end up as a different fan, but that's not what this is about. But brilliant stuff from Khan. Going to Europe as a young man, knocking the knock on the door was brilliant. I didn't know any of that stuff now. That feel was like unbelievable. Pack did. your bags, you're coming on a plane. <laughs> I feel like we've interviewed Khan a few times now. and uh, He's coming was, up with gold. I was learning something new about his family. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, Terry's dad is from Kimmage. Didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. I was only looking at an old map of Kimmage today. It keeps coming up. Which I, watch, I guarantee you, when you go up to look at something on your phone now, something of Kimmage will come up. <laughs> They're listening, prof. Um, he didn't mention the part about how when Terry joined Bowles, his dad refused to watch him. Uh, he left that part out. Proper order. And as Terry says, um, 
when the bikes were left outside Milltown, um, you'd wonder uh, like how they were identified. But um, Mick McCarthy actually told me this before. What they did was they wrote the numbers on chalk or the names or whatever on chalk so you'd identify whose bike is which. No way. And as Mick says, I always wonder what would happen if it rained. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. That's great, actually, yeah. So, yeah, I love Kevin's one as well. Um, I kind of, I love Kevin's one. Like, he, he really... He, he painted a picture about how he bonded with his dad so much over Rovers to the point that other people might actually be envious. I Absolutely, found, I found yeah. that fascinating. I hope that my relationship is like that with my son. Even... Even the, it's it wasn't even grim. It was just I don't know how to describe him sitting watching the game, with his father's co- with his father in the coffin, you know, as he as he lay him to rest. Like that 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 just blew me away. Yeah. So that was the final little thing there, final little interaction that they had with each other. But um, with Jason Maloney as well. Once again, he's a great great guy to listen to, and he reintroduced his dad back at the Rovers and reinvigorated him you could say back into supporting the club so it's uh, some some mental contrast and stories there their son's getting them involved the son the dad's getting them involved and then mishmash and back and forth yeah I like the differences on them um, we're going to talk about Robert's book in a moment and Robert's actually heading over to London next month to meet the grandson and daughter of Bob Fulham oh, wow as in the Bob Fulham who played for us in the 1920s and scored a record 27 goals in one season once. Um, so that's going to be some meeting. That's going to be interesting. Because Robert has discovered where he was uh, buried, which was unknown before now. I don't believe you. So this all ties in with Robert's book. And there was a post actually by Anto, Anto Proctor. Yes, um, I, quite, I quite enjoy Anto's posts he comes up with some gems now and then on Facebook and he replied to um, Robert's post about his book and Anto says bit of a tangent but Bob Fulham was also involved in one of Ireland's most interesting leading cases of defamation back in the 50s the Irish Times printed an article about him being made to train with a slipper on his weaker left foot while he was with Leeds United. He was a docker in his post-football life. He took a lot of stick from fellow dockers in relation to carpet slipper related mockery down the docks and got so pissed off at it, he successfully sued the Irish Times. In winning damages, he pointed out his goal-scoring record at Leeds involved a fair distribution of goals from foots right and left and his head. So this he, is a re- this is Anto pissed coming no, up with this, this sitting with the Leinster Senior Cup in the sitting room. Not that I needed Robert to verify this, but Robert did say, "Yeah, I, I've read this." Oh my god, <laughs> unbelievable! Fair play, Anto. Brilliant stuff. Um, yeah, so the Robert book, uh, you've held it there, Gar. It's it's a sixth book, but his first hardback. Uh, I'm loving the hardback. Yeah, very very cool. Yeah, it's a second edition. It was first published in 2012. Which was, I just thinking like that's ten, over 10 years ago when I remember going to Robert's book launch for that. Me and McDarrah were only in the process of meeting up and writing Tattle Time. That's how long ago that book was. Jeez. Uh, 430 pages. So it's updated 
the the ten years since twenty twelve, season by season, and perhaps the biggest selling point of the book is Robert has delved into the first twenty years of the club, all this previously unknown information about our origins and players and teams, why we mysteriously vanished for a period of time and came back again. So Robert has uncovered all of it. Yeah, and this is not for the bathroom. This is not for the toilet. This one. This is good reading. <laughs> yeah fantastic stuff so check it out and um yeah no it's a it's a proper proper uh hardback like it's it's brilliant it really is a, where make sure you pick it up on amazon and in the shop as well the dundalk bus for the 34th prof still in the process of finalizing it so if you have if you are interested in going to dundalk away 34th on the friday we're going to be leaving from the profs it's not confirmed yet we're trying to get numbers so let us know Gar, are you going to cost me my 100% attendance record on the Tifty's bus. Maybe book on the by wax. By leaving early. Uh, I, have, I have booked on the wax. Oh, no, no. It's... It, no, like that's like I said, it's up in the air. And that's just pie in the sky stuff. You know, that's hmm. thinking, oh, we could leave early. We could get a bus. But realistically, Friday at 3 o'clock might not sue everybody. Because I am proud of that record. Yeah, I, I, wanna, no, I, I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't do that to you. We'll make sure everybody's happy. Um... But there's no game on the Friday with the international break. But never fear, you will still be getting your Tifties fix, Prof. We'll be back on Tuesday morning with a 1970 special and two mystery guests. So both fans from that time have they never been on a live monthly madness type podcast before, Prof. It's going to be magic. How did I feel, by the way, to say the words monthly madness? I, I feel like we haven't said that in a long yeah. time. I think I'll start tapping up some offers for free stuff again. So no tippy's breaker spoiled you sir. Mm, absolutely spoiled. Like he said, prof most consistent podcast in the game. But that's it for this week. We have no game to review or talk about next week. We will be talking about Pico and the Cape Verde squad and Johnny Kenny and the 21s and nothing else Rovers related. But keep your eyes peeled for our next live monthly madness segment. So that is it for this week and keep on hooping. See ya. Him so